Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Uh, welcome in everyone to GC Live Afternoon Drive. It is November 30th, 2023. If you've been paying attention to either X, Instagram, and especially Gamecock Central, you have seen that there's been a lot of players either entering the portal today or declaring for the NFL draft. We will get into all of that. We will do our best to break down everything that we know over at Gamecock Central, other things to keep an eye on as well, and just some overall thoughts on where NIL is as a whole, and not just specifically speaking about South Carolina, but some of the challenges that teams across college football are facing. Having said all that, let's get everyone caught up to speed on some of the things that have took place today. In case you have been at work, maybe you've missed some of the things that have gone on today. We will do our best to let you know what's going on. Um, beginning this morning, Gamecock Central was informed that Juice Wells intends to enter the portal. Now, as we do this show at 2.04, it is 2.04 right now on Thursday, I am told that Juice has not submitted his paperwork in, but he intends to enter the portal. On top of that, some other players that have entered the portal. Mitch Jeter, he has not submitted his paperwork as of 2.04, 2.05 as we do this show, but he intends to enter the portal. Another player, and this is the one I keep seeing everyone asking, you know, who is the other player? Um, I've been informed, and we'll have this story up shortly on Gamecock Central, but wide receiver Landon Sampson 
intends to enter the portal. He had met with Justin Stepp and Shane Beamer. That's what team sources have indicated to me. He has not submitted the paperwork yet, but he intends to do so. So that is where we stand right now. If there's any other players that intend to enter the portal during this show, we find out. We will keep you posted, and we will continue to, again, be as transparent as we can about some of these situations. But that is what we know as of right now. Having said all that, having said all that, Colton Gothier has not entered his paperwork yet. Gamecock Central reported last night, as well as Tanner Bailey, that both those players intend to enter the portal. Again, as of 2.06, just going to continue to look at the clock. Gothier has not entered his paperwork in yet. If I get an update on that, I will let you guys know as soon as possible. But as far as Mitch Jeter goes, I was told that I was told that um, that the his locker is all cleared out, and that's been the case for some of these players as well. So that's where we stand. Again, two oh six on this Thursday, and if I looked out on my phone, guys, just because of everything going on today, uh, I apologize. I'm doing my best to make sure that I keep you guys as informed as possible, as well as staying in the loop with my teammates, Chris and Wes, uh, who are doing a tremendous job of tracking this down for us as well. So if I get anything that I can share in some of these text messages that appear to me in live time, I will relay that to you guys as well. And again, if you guys have some questions, let us know. Let us know. I'll do my best to answer these questions. I'm not going to have every answer for you guys, but I will do my best to do that as well. And again, if you're just joining us, the new name is Landon Sampson. I think a lot of people expected that to be the case. Again, Sampson has not submitted his paperwork in, but Gamecock Central has been told that Sampson intends on entering the portal. He had a meeting earlier this week. Um, I've been told with Justin Stepp, as well as Shane Beamer, and he made his intentions known to them. Um, But if we get any information on other players, we will keep you posted. Another player that I have been informed on, Marcellus Dial has officially accepted his invitation to go play in the East-West Shrine Bowl. So we will continue to keep everyone posted on not just players that are entering the portal, but players that accept their invitations to go play in bowl games, once known as senior bowls, but now essentially upperclassmen bowls. So that's kind of where we are at right now. If you're just tuning us, folks, a lot of movement today in the Gamecock world. Talking to people close to the program today, they're telling me it's not as bad as it may seem. I know to some it looks like that, and we will dissect everything that has took place today. My overall thoughts on it. Certainly when you hear the news on Juice Wells, I understand the frustration. Again, Juice Wells has, again, Gamecock Central, we put it out here there today, that he intends on entering the portal, but as of this show, as we do this live at 2.08 on Thursday, he has not submitted his paperwork, but we expect that to happen in the near future. Just overall thoughts, and I shared this a little bit earlier. I shared this a little bit earlier on Gamecock Central as well as Twitter, X, whatever the heck you want to call it. In general terms, in general terms, when we talk about NIL, here's the tricky thing. And this is what I said. What do you do when a player wants more NIL money than what you're willing to give them? Or what you view them 
as far as what their value is. It's pretty tricky. But on top of that, on top of that, as I wrote on Gamecock Central, you can't let one or two players hold an entire program hostage. You won't be able to stay competitive in the portal that way, nor will you be able to help yourself out from a roster retention standpoint. And unfortunately, I don't know if it's as simple as saying, okay, a program needs X amount of money to be competitive in the NIL space. Because I've seen a lot of questions about that today. Mike, how much money do you think South Carolina needs in order to be competitive in the NIL space? I don't think it's as simple as just saying they need $2 million, they need $3 million, they need $4 million, simply because some players view their worth to be a hell of a lot higher than what they're probably worth. Because you have, and again, I'm talking in general terms. This is not directed at one or two players in, in particular. This is just general terms. You have mommy or daddy or uncle or brother or girlfriend, whatever, telling you how much you're worth. Telling you how much you're worth. Did you see what this other receiver, did you see what this other running back, did you see what this other quarterback did in your room or at another school? Look at your numbers compared to them. That's not what NIL is supposed to be. That's not how it works. But unfortunately, unfortunately, that's what it's become. That's what it's become. And I know there's a lot of people out there that hate, hate, hate where college sports are going. They hate what's took place over the last two years. And I'm telling you right now, unfortunately, there's too much gray area to say that things will get better. Is tampering going on? Of course it's going on. Of course it's going on. But because of some of that gray area that we're talking about, there's ways to get around it. There's ways to get around it. Are schools reaching out to some of your players on your Gamecock team right now? Absolutely. Now, they might be going through mommy and daddy. They might be going to an uncle. They might be talking to another individual. But it's taking place. There's no kidding. I mean, it, of course it's happening. You might have a collective at another school. You might have someone that's not associated with the team reaching out to a family saying, hey, we get Johnny to come over to our, our school, we can take care of them before they even enter the portal. And I'm not even talking just about this year. It's happened in years past. No kidding. The problem with that is it's very difficult, number one, to have concrete evidence to prove that. And even if you do have concrete evidence, I don't think the NCAA cares. They're not stupid. They know what's going on. They don't care. So, again, going back to what I originally said, again, talking about in general terms about NIL, what do you do when a guy on your team wants more money than what you're willing to give them or what you see their value to be? And you know, and you know there's other schools out there, again, people that aren't associated with the team or collective, or even a player on a team reaching out to a family member of a player on another team or the player directly on another team saying, hey, you come over here, we'll take care of you. You're not going to be able just to throw the money at, again, one or two players and say, okay, everything's going to be good. Because what's going to happen is you focus on just one player or just two players no, nothing's guaranteed that that player is going to finish the year. 
That's the scary part about NIL. There's many things that are scary about NIL, but that's one of them. Nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed. I understand if you want to get frustrated with some of these players, I totally get it. I don't agree with some of it. However, if there isn't any black and white rules as far as, okay, hey, you have to play out the whole year and then you get paid at the end of the season. Can you blame some of these players? Can you blame them? I'm not saying it's right. I hate it. I hate I hate the direction of college sports and where it's going right now. I absolutely hate it. I'm all in I'm all in favor of NIL. All in favor. But what do you do? What can you do? We cover the Gamecocks. So let's look at Shane Beamer. What is Shane Beamer supposed to do? Is he supposed to just throw money at one or two players and say, all right, hey, you know what? We kept them happy here for now. And then possibly lose out on other players in terms of retention, number one. But number two, not having that same amount of money from a fund standpoint to use on other players through the portal. I hate it. I hate that South Carolina is in a situation where you have to make those decisions, but that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to cut your losses at time. And it sucks, especially when you're talking about talented players. And there could be another player or two that could be in a very similar situation that we hear in the next couple of days. And I'm not saying that to be like, you know, Mike, stop teasing. That's just the reality. But I will say this. You cut your losses where you need to, that you see fit, and you use the funds that you do have. And we talk so much about Garnet Trust simply because Garnet Trust is associated with Gamecock Central, at least in its beginnings. Carolina Rise has done a tremendous job. I'll never speak badly of another collective, especially when I'm covering a specific team in this market. But Garnet Trust goes out the other day, and they're able to get a match donation up to $1 million. So let's just, let's just you know, for the sake of conversation, South Carolina is able to raise over a $1 million. Excuse me. Garnet Trust is able to raise a million dollars. Could be even a little bit more than that. And they get the match. So now you're looking at $2 million, if not a little bit more. That's great. That's phenomenal. But, and again, just speaking in general terms, if player X wants a million dollars, if player X wants a good portion of that, do you do that? If you don't feel that is what their worth is in your eyes. Do you take your chances? You know, something I've been told from talking to individuals, and it's not specifically at South Carolina, but across the college football landscape, a lot of players are going to collectives saying, this school's offering me this much money. How much can you throw at me? So yeah, there's tampering going on. But at the same time, too, some of it, too, becomes a game of chicken. Are they bluffing? Or are they just throwing a number at you, right? If you have a player that's coming to one of these collectives saying, hey, this other school's willing to offer me $300,000, what can you do? What can you do? A collective has a choice. Do they give them that money from that pot that they have? Or do they call their bluff out? And I can tell you, I can tell you for certain, last year, this happened at South Carolina. 
I'm not going to say the individual players by name, but this happened at a couple spots. And South Carolina called their bluff on some of these guys. And guess what? Those guys ended up staying at South Carolina. I know that for a fact. I know that for a fact. So again, I bring these things up because while NIL is still so new and the transfer portal has really took off over the last couple of years, for better or for worse, we're still in an era that it's still so new as far as, okay, we have a couple of years under our belt. And I don't know if it's when we're going to get to that point or if anytime soon we're going to get to a point where it starts to level out simply because NIL has a trickle-down effect. And I'm not even talking about the legislation that's taking place in some of these states where high school players are able to capitalize on NIL, which I think is a recipe for disaster. But the problem is you're having players grow up in it now and it becomes the norm. They hear more about it. They hear more about it. And some of the information they hear is not correct. For example, I've had conversations with people over the last year and they have conversations with players on rosters. And players tell either a prospect or a player on the team that they're making X amount of money. And I can tell you for certain that's not how much they're making. Now, I don't know everyone's NIL situation, but I have a ballpark idea on some of them. And when I hear some of these numbers, I'm like, what the hell is going on? So you also have to compete with misinformation being shared within your own program from player to player. You know, player tells someone, this is how much I'm getting paid. And what does that do sometimes? Well, again, it's not pay it's not uh, pay to play, but if someone goes out there and they have more receptions, more receiving yards, more touchdown receptions, more tackles, more rushing yards, whatever the case may be, they might look at it and be like, wait a minute, I'm doing a hell of a lot more than this guy. Why is he making more than me? And they might not even be making more than them. But because, again, that's what they're hearing. It's in their head. This is the new landscape of college sports, whether we like it or not, that we're in. And what I'm trying to figure out is if you're a coach, and again, we cover the Gamecocks, so we're really worried about South Carolina, but you can say this for any coach out there, especially in the FBS landscape. I've had conversations today with multiple FCS coaches, and they have told me, yeah, we're going to lose out on guys occasionally. Guys are going to transfer out. They're going to move on up. We get it. But they are saying the message was the same. Thank God I'm not coaching on the FBS level right now because I don't know how the hell they're dealing with this from a patient standpoint and how they're not pulling out their hair. And I agree with them. I agree with them 100%. I'm going to go down and look at some of the comments that are being submitted in. Again, if you're just joining us, I'm going to be looking down at my phone periodically to get information when it comes in that I can share. Let's see what else we have here. Brian asks, are we going to have a team on the field next year? Yes. Yes. I think here's the reality of it. And this is why I don't think it's as bad as some people will think it is. Everything's happening all at once for South Carolina. 
some of that has to do with the fact that they're not going to a bowl. So a lot of those conversations that are happening between a player and their positional coach or their coordinator or even Shane Beamer at the end of the year, which happens every year at the end of any season, D1, D2, D3, that happens every year. Because those conversations are happening right now, there's going to be some players who maybe they were on the bubble in terms of deciding whether or not they were going to come back for another year. Or there's going to be some players who are looking at things and saying, coach, what is the ultimate plan for me moving forward? Do you see me being a number two guy and having an opportunity to compete with the ones next year? Do you see me as someone that's going to be, you know, having to uh, scrap it out just to be able to get some type of reps? There's going to be a lot of information that these players are going to gather over those meetings. Now, having said all that, sometimes you're going to learn Sometimes you're going to learn that you're not you're not necessarily going to be in a spot that you're happy in, but some players are going to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to come into the spring and I'm going to see what I can do and see if I could, you know, shock the coaches. But then you're also going to have some players that are just going to say, screw it. And they're going to say, you know what? I'm going to enter the portal. So I say that because I think more than anything, and the other thing too that we have to keep in mind, at the beginning of... Monday, I'd even say the beginning of uh, Tuesday, South Carolina was at 87 scholarship players. And that doesn't even include some of the guys like Mario Anderson that could come back. So for the sake of conversation, and I could be off a number or two, but so bear with me, this isn't in stone. But let's say on Tuesday, South Carolina currently sat at, including guys like Mario Anderson, guys who walked on senior night who still could come back. Let's say South Carolina was around 90. 90 scholarship players. You're going to have to get down to that 85 mark. So I bring that up because these are some of the conversations that also take place this week. So when you're being candid, and even going back to my days at the Division II ranks, I knew many players who would go through and a coach would just tell them just straight up, hey, look, you still have a scholarship. You still have a partial scholarship. You can still stick around and get that, but we're just going to let you know you're really not going to have a chance to compete to be a starter. And at that point, you're kind of, you know, you're basically showing the door to a player without kicking them out completely. That happens across the country everywhere. Happens across the country everywhere. So there's going to be times where players will do that and players will decide to leave. I also want to throw this out there because I think some people were surprised about the Mitch Jeter news today. Mitch is set to graduate this December, if if I remember that correctly. So... He's set to graduate. He wants to go off and he wants to go play his final year somewhere else. So there's going to be cases too where you're looking at things. They're going to be like, wait a minute, this one doesn't make sense. You know, they have the best special teams coordinator in the country in Pete Lumbo. They have a special teams minded head coach in Shane Beamer. Why would he want to go somewhere else? Players are going to do that. Now, I bring that up with Mitch Jeter simply because, again, that's just one of the examples. And I'm trying to make sense for some of this stuff. I'm trying to make sense for some of this stuff. And I'm trying to also go through some of your questions. So I'm trying to uh, catch up on where we were because we're about, oh, I don't know, 15 minutes in. So if you're just joining us, if you're just joining us, um, the players who. The players who we know for certain, we will let you know. I know there's some questions about tree. Jordan asked. Uh, done with college football. When players have uh, 
done with college football. One-year players and no contracts or accountability for them. It's frustrating. It's frustrating, Jordan. Taylor says, Mike, not to spread the rumor mill or anything, but have you heard anything about Big Tree? I think it's a fair question. And you know with Gamecock Central, we're not going to jump to any conclusions. We want to make sure of a thousand percent that something is accurate. Obviously, we're going to miss occasionally. I mean, that just it's part of it, right? I mean, if you if you're at the plate a uh, hundred times, you know, there's going to be a time that maybe you don't hit one. But we're going to do everything we can to make sure we're a thousand percent factually correct. And I, I think when it comes to football, our track record between myself, Wes, and Chris it, it speaks for itself. Having said that, I'm not going to jump to any conclusions about Big Tree yet. Uh, I've seen the rumor out there. I don't have as much information to really comment much further on that. I'm not trying to hide behind anything. I'm not trying to hint at anything. But based on some of the things that I've been told, I don't feel comfortable enough saying one way or another. Now, having said that, whether it be Big Tree, whether it be some of these other players, because I can tell you, and this does not include Big Tree, there are some other players I've been told, I've been told part of this past recruiting class who could be entering the portal this year i don't feel comfortable enough saying that we are at a point yet to say what the who those players are but i wouldn't be surprised to see over the next even you know whether it be today whether it be tomorrow or even heading into the beginning of next week some of these players might take some time because some of these players and i can tell you just from experience that beamer and some of these head coaches positional coaches when they have these conversations with players they're saying hey look we understand that this might be what you are thinking about doing. Just take some time. Take some time. Don't rush. Don't rush. The transfer portal doesn't officially open until next Wednesday, the 4th. So I say those things. Make sure I have my dates right. Monday, excuse me. See, don't have my dates right. Monday, the 4th. Doesn't open until Monday. So some of these players are getting ahead of it a little bit. And if you're a grad student, go on in. There's going to be some exceptions too that you'll see along the way. But I bring that up because I could see more on Monday. Having said all that, having said all that, if you're upset about some of these, and I get it, I totally get it, it's not going to change the reality of where things are for certain teams. In this case, again, covered the Gamecocks. We're talking about the Gamecocks. It's not going to change where South Carolina is. The good thing is, and you got to look at the glass half full. Good thing is, now you have a better idea of your numbers heading into portal season. And then, of course, getting ready for National Signing Day coming up on December 20th. So, again, that's not to say, like, not to be upset, not to be, you know, pissed off at some of this. You should be. I'd be pissed off. I get it. If I was a fan, I'd get it. Totally understand, especially if you're someone that's donating money to NIL. Why wouldn't you be upset? I totally get it. But I would I would say that there's going to be a chance to be able to look at the numbers a little bit clearer when a player decides to jump into the portal sooner rather than later. So again, is that does that take away the fact that some of these guys are getting tampered with or some of these guys are opting to finish their career somewhere else? Probably doesn't make you feel a thousand percent better, but it should make, if you're trying to find some good, and that's what I try to do, try to find some good. It's not going to change the fact that players X, Y, and Z are deciding to enter the portal. It's not going to change the fact that that's happening. 
But I would also look at it and say, okay, what is some good that we can take away from this? What is some good? Again, guys, if you're just joining us, it has been a zoo of a day. I mean, there's no other way to put it. It has been a zoo of a day as far as the transfer portal is concerned. I appreciate everyone bearing with us. I'm going to go through and try to get to some of the questions that you guys have. I mean, we have a massive show right now. Um, typically, put it this way, there's over there's over 450, you know, got up to around 500 people watching live right now. Uh, to give you an idea, I mean, we do these Thursday shows. I mean, we might have 100, 200 live at a time. Um, this is smashing that. So I bring that up simply because I appreciate you guys tuning in. I know it's been a frustrating day if you're a Gamecock fan. I tell you just to hang in there that there's going to hopefully be some good news in the coming days. And now I'm getting some more information. Okay. Okay. So Gothier, from my understanding, he will not be, and I'm getting this in real time right now, from my understanding, according to team sources, Gothier is not set to enter his paperwork until next week. So I'm just going to, again, to some people, that might not mean anything. But I don't care if you're the starting quarterback or someone at the bottom of the roster. I don't care who you are. We will cover everyone the exact same way here at Gamecock Central. Cover everyone the exact same way. So that is what I've been told. And again, if you're just joining us, I apologize. But I'm going to you know, occasionally be looking down at my phone because I'm gathering information in live time as we tape this show. Actually doing it live, but depending on when you're watching it, at 2.30 on Thursday, continuing to have conversations with my colleagues, Wes Mitchell and Chris Clark as well as the multiple sources that I've been talking to since really the beginning of the week. Some of these conversations have took place even before the end of the season. But as you can imagine, over the last 24, 48 hours, it has been a madhouse. So that's what will happen occasionally if I'm looking down at my phone. And one thing, too, I want to put out there about some of these players, especially when I'm able to get the information, and this is coming from, and I'm, I'm sure they'd be okay with me sharing this, uh, specifically talking about Gothier. Um, Gothier was not asked to enter the portal. Because, again, we're talking about some of those things and how that happens at some places. And that's not to say it hasn't happened at South Carolina. It certainly happens across college football. Like I mentioned, Division Two. I remember some of those stories talking with teammates and how they basically give you a little nudge. But just for the record, again, we're going to treat every single player as if they're the starting quarterback on the team. And I'm talking quarterback. Ironically, we're talking about Gothier. I don't care if they're the number one guy or the guy on the bottom of the depth chart. We're going to talk about them the exact same way. Uh, Gothier was not asked to enter. It was his choice to move on. And as I brought this up about Mitch Jeter, Gothier's in the same camp. Gothier will be set to graduate this December and the greatest the great thing about Gothier, he did that in three years and he was a very very good kid did everything that he was supposed to do and now he's going to go on and try to earn an opportunity somewhere else Rakeem Sprinkle says Kilgore brother is a talented DB I think uh, we have a very high chance with him plus Kilgore um, is recruiting him has three years left as well 
Don't know much about Kilgore's brother. I don't want to um, pretend like I do. Wes and Chris are really good when it comes to all the recruiting stuff. I kind of hear different things from them. So I won't speak specifically about Kilgore's brother, but I mean, shoot, if he's even just half as talented as what Kilgore is, that would be something. Jared says, can we get positive news? Who are some portal guys we are in the running for? I think it's just too early to say for some of them. Wes and Chris have done a really good job of putting some players together. And I'll say this. I want to say this about the portal. And I've said this before. I've had a conversation with someone earlier this week. I understand we sit here and I'm coming from a recruiting website. So it's kind of hypocritical for me to say certain things I'm about to say. I get why the fan base gets so caught up when a player is a four-star, five-star, three, whatever the case may be. But what I would tell people is, Look at what Beamer has done. And it's not just Beamer. Look at Michigan. Michigan just brought in a guy from Coastal Carolina who's starting on defense for them. Me personally, I would rather have a guy, and I and I get the fan base might roll their eyes when I say this, but just hear everything that I'm about to say. I'd rather have a guy that balled out in the Ivy League, Patriot League, one of these smaller FCS schools, or even lower level FBS schools and they balled out for three to four years because they are they've proven that they're developed they've proven that they can play at the college level and they understand everything that goes into being a college athlete I'd rather have one of those guys than a guy that was a two-star excuse me a guy that was a four-star at I don't know Kentucky Florida wherever and he just rode the bench for the last two years yeah we can get geeked up and say oh yeah man look he was a four-star coming out of high school that's great and don't get me wrong, you have an opportunity to bring in a Spencer Rattler. Of course you're going to do that. Of course. But what I'm trying to get at is don't get so caught up on what a player's stars were when they came out of high school if it was friggin' two, three, four years ago. Because to me, to me, why does any of that matter? I want to see progress. I want to see development. And that's not to say a guy that rode the bench at a different school for two or three years, whatever the case may be, can't be special at your school. Maybe he was behind a lot of talented players. Maybe he was behind a lot of talented players. But at the same time, too, that's not to say, that's not to say that you can't continue to find these diamonds in the rough. That's why I feel like we're seeing more and more smaller level school players get opportunities. And one of the reasons why I feel like it continues to happen is you have to remember not everyone is going to be graded the same way and evaluated the same way when they come out of high school. So they might have only had two stars, if that, when they were coming out of high school. They may have been really small when they came out. They might not have had the grades when they came out. They might not have had the opportunity to have the same amount of financial benefits um, at a Power 5 school right away in comparison to going to one of these smaller schools where maybe they were able to look at them differently and saying, okay, this guy's a stud. Let's give him at least something. Because something sometimes is better than nothing, right? So there's multiple factors. On top of that, I've heard stories from talking to players over the years, and I've seen it myself going through the process for recruiting. Sometimes you don't have high school coaches that really promote the player the same way compared to a different school. So I bring these things up because there's multiple reasons, multiple reasons why some of these players who are very talented, very talented, end up going to smaller schools. Look at Mario Anderson. You're going to tell me that guy can't play in the SEC? He's proven it. He's proven it. And in just one year at South Carolina, he's already received an invite to play in the Hula Bowl. And we'll wait and see if Mario will be back or not. As I've mentioned on Gamecock Central, something to keep in mind with him. 
Well, he walked the other night. Yeah, he did. He still has one year of eligibility left. And what people really need to keep in mind when we talk about Mario Anderson specifically, Mario's going through a lot in his life right now. He's going to be a father for the first time in the next couple of weeks. There's a lot of things that he's going to be making decisions that's not just going to be impacting Mario Anderson for the first time in his life. And I'm not saying he doesn't care about his family, but you get what I'm trying to get at. He has to make decisions truly for his family as well. So I hope Mario's back. I think he could really benefit not just from a extra year of developing by playing in the SEC. I think he can earn some more NIL money because he really wasn't one of those guys that earned really anything when he was here last year. And that's not saying he didn't get anything, but in comparison to what he probably should have. But I think he's a guy that hopefully will come back. But again, bringing up these examples, small school guys. And will they miss a couple times? Absolutely. But that's not to say, I hear so many people talk about, well, look at the guy they brought in from this school or that school from these smaller schools. Wow, you know, that really panned out well. Well, look at some of the guys they've also brought in from bigger name schools. Guys who are three stars, guys who are four stars coming out of high school. Can we can we look at it the exact same way? Can we at least be consistent if we're going to have that debate? I mean, be consistent. Be consistent. I, I understand why some people aren't going to get all excited. They're going to take their pants off, spin around their head, and be like, oh, my God, this guy's coming in from the Ivy League. This guy's coming in from the Patriot League. This guy's coming in from Furman or whatever school you want to say. I get that. But I'd also say, too, based on the track record, at least at South Carolina, I'm not going to talk about other schools. I use the example of Michigan with the Coastal Carolina defender. But I feel like if anyone has earned the benefit of the doubt, it's this coaching staff when it comes to finding some of those smaller school players. I've mentioned Nick Gargiulo. I understand some of this fan base. They're not going to look at it the same way. I've talked with multiple former offensive linemen at your very, very, very school, University of South Carolina, that played the game at this level. And the amount of positive things that they had to say about Nick Gargiulo just from strictly watching him and things that maybe to the naked eye or people that haven't played not just the sport, but specifically the position, things that won't stand out to them. But I also mentioned, too, about Gargiulo. Gargiulo was someone that had to play out of position. Yes, he played center a little bit at Yale, but coming in here, and if he plays on the next level, he's a guard. But because of the injuries and because how versatile he is, they moved him around a little bit. Essentially, he played three positions. Tackle, guard, center. So he's playing center. And again, and from talking to people close to Nick's camp, they felt like he was out of position, playing out of position. Not only that, but he was playing with a busted hand for a lot of the back part of the season and another injury he was dealing with. But because of how banged up the offensive line was, he had a choice. He could have said, you know what? I'm going to take myself out, which some players, <laughs> some players do that. While other players like Nick said, no, we don't have, we don't have a choice. We're so banged up on the O-line. I'm, I'm willing to do this. And he did a lot of good things where there's some moments that he would have loved to have back 1,000%. 1,000%. But I also use Nick as an example because I'd rather have a guy in there that wants to be there, that wants to compete, that wants to play. And then someone that's just kind of going through the motions. They're like, all right, I'll get a couple bucks and then I'll get the hell out of here. You want winners. At the end of the day, it's about winning. It's about winning. And I totally understand that. Butch says... We think it's loyalty and culture. And that's the tough thing right now, Butch. 
That's the tough thing. I'm going to back to some of these comments a little bit later. And you know what? Maybe we'll keep this program just rolling along past the hour because you know what? You guys are watching. Plenty of you guys are watching, so I appreciate it. But I think that's the tough thing. If you're Shane Beamer, right? You're Shane Beamer, and I alluded to this earlier in the program, if you're just tuning in. If you have a player come to you, or a player goes to, because we want to make sure we do everything legal, even though we know everything's not. If a player's going to a collective and saying, all right, I want to get this much amount of money. But you're looking across the board, and you got to figure out, okay, how are we going to be able to still be competitive when it comes to the portal standpoint? Because I hear a lot of you, and I agree with you, when you say, hey, we need this, we need that, we need to go out and get this player or this position. Totally understand that, totally agree with you. Where do you think some of this money is going to come from? If you give Johnny and Bobby, you know, whatever the amount of money that they want, you give them a blank check and you make them happy. Well, that takes away a good portion, if not nearly all, of what you're what you got in your fund to be able to not spend on other players. You're not going to be able to have your cake and eat it too. You got to make a decision. You have to make a decision. And I think that's the challenging part. How do you make everyone happy? <laughs> Reality, just like the real world. You're not. You're not going to be able to make everyone happy. And you have to make tough decisions. And the unfortunate reality is, as we mentioned before, these contracts, right? We can call it a contract. Some of these players, they signed contracts. It's not a contract. It's not a contract. Some of these players, they don't need to play out the whole season. Some of these players, they can you know, decide to leave or whatever the case may be, and there's no penalty. There's no slap on their wrists other than a slap on the wrist as far as it not being anything damning, damaging to them. That's the frustrating part. And what I feel bad for, who I feel bad for is a couple people. I feel bad for the coaches on the FBS level, not just South Carolina, but coaches across college football. Because when we talk about loyalty and culture, these are things that they're trying to build, but at the same time too, it makes things difficult for them to be able to win. And we all know at the end of the day, that's how you're going to be judged on. So for a guy like Beamer who wants to build a program this way, just like every coach talks about culture and loyalty and all that kind of stuff, that's great. But what happens when you know behind the scenes people are chirping, whether it be about coaches on your staff, whether it be about maybe potentially you, whether it be about the way you run your program, and you know you have to go out there and you have to win even more games next season. It's tough to be able to have your cake and eat it too because you have to make a decision what is in the best interest for the program. And when you look at it sometimes, best decision sometimes is not going to be to pay or give the money to player X or player Y or whoever because they're demanding so much. Because you know if you give them what they're asking, you're not going to be able to have enough money to be competitive in the transfer portal and you're not going to be able to have the same amount of funds you need to retain other positions on your roster. This isn't basketball. It'd be different if we're talking about 12, 13 players and one player was like, hey, you know what? I want this amount of money. And you had that same amount of funds. That's different. It's football. It's football. You're not going to win with just one player. Certainly the quarterback position plays a key role, 
But as we saw from this past season, even Rattler, as talented as he is, and the amazing things that he was able to accomplish this season, really in his two years, but especially this past season, he can't do it by himself. So you need those funds if you want to get better at other positions. You're going to have to go out there and you're going to have to make sure that you have that money so you can go into the portal and be competitive. Again, this isn't monopoly money. This money is just not going to come out of thin air. You're going to have to go out there and you're going to have to find a way to make this work with the funds you have. And as I mentioned earlier, guys, because some of you might be just joining, I don't think it's as simple as saying a program needs X amount of money. And I haven't gone through all the comments yet. I apologize that we're going through some of them a little bit slower. I'd rather be providing you guys with as much information as I know. And some of that information has to do with things that are happening in real time as we are live right now, but you could watch this show later. It's 2.46. These are the things that I've been told right now. I've also been told, though, that there could be a couple other players entering the portal in the near future. Other guys who are debating right now their intentions of whether or not to enter the portal. And I don't think it's fair to them to say, and I don't think it's fair to the program to say, this player, that player is thinking about it. Until I'm told and I'm given the green light on certain players to say by team sources that this player intends on entering the portal, I'm not saying that. So what I will say, though, if there's players that we do know for certain that have entered the portal or they're intending to enter the portal, which we've reported on multiple ones today on Gamecock Central, I just reported recently on Landon Sampson. He has not put his paperwork in, but I've been told from team sources that he intends on entering the portal. Colton Gothier intends on entering the portal. I'm told the paperwork is not expected for him until Monday. We report on those players. We'll also report on the players that are announcing their intentions to play in All-Star Games, formerly known as Senior Bowls. But now, essentially, it's an upperclassman bowl. And again, I apologize if you're just joining me. I'm going to look down periodically at my phone so I can provide you guys with information in live time if I can share it. I'm also having conversations with my colleagues, Wes Mitchell and Chris Clark, who are doing a phenomenal job today, and everyone over at Gamecock Central. I will say this, though, about Mitch Jeter. So Jeter decides that he wants to enter the portal, that that's his intentions. He's going to be a grad student where he goes wherever. He's going to be graduating, I believe, uh, in December. Alex Herrera is still on the roster. Talking to people close to the program and even talking to people, and I'll throw the name out there, from a year ago, Parker White was very high on Alex Herrera. Very high. So now I wouldn't have been shocked if Herrera was thinking about entering the portal if Mitch Jeter were to return. But I think this changes things up. And again, that's not to say Alex was, but for the sake of conversation, if those thoughts were in his head, I think it changes things a little bit. I think it changes things a little bit. Going through again, just looking at some of the comments. And I'll say this, guys, too. And as Ashley says from a while ago, yep, Marcelo Style is 
announced that he's going to be playing in the East-West Shrine game. So congratulations to him. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on, rumors and all that. We're going to report what we know for certain at Gamecock Central. If you're a subscriber, take advantage of it. If you're not, sign up, take advantage of the $1 month offer right away. Then you pay the rest of it afterwards. It's going to be worth it, especially this time of the year. If you want to make sure you're not just reading from, you know, Johnny Cockroach 4444 on X and you want to make sure everything's accurate, come to Gamecock Central. And anything else that we do know, we will share with you as well as far as what we're hearing. Again, as I mentioned, there's a couple players that I'm hearing rumbles about that could be entering the portal, but some of these conversations are still ongoing with coaches. You know, as I mentioned before, at this time of the year, it's in the norm for players to meet with their positional coach at the end of the season, sometimes with a coordinator, sometimes with a head coach as well. And you have a better idea of the sense of direction that they want to go in with you as to whether or not you're someone they see can be fitting into the plans as far as being a starter or competing for a starting spot. Or if you're someone that will probably be closer towards the bottom of the roster. So those conversations are ongoing. There's going to be guys that might have an opportunity to be starters next year, or they were starters this year that could enter the portal for one reason or another. That's just part of it. And again, as I alluded to before, yeah, no kidding. No kidding that tampering's going on. It sucks. It sucks. It's going on. But I just don't think the NCAA cares. I don't. Have there been things I've heard of from this year, even going back to last year with some of the players that left? Yeah. And some of the players that even stayed. Yeah, no kidding. Tampering is going on. But a lot of it's being done in a way where you don't have any concrete evidence. Unless you have um, like text messages, you have everything printed out and you know everything for certain, it's pretty difficult to do. You need concrete evidence. You need someone screwing up, opening up a briefcase full of money. It's just difficult to get around that. So what else we have here? Jason, I appreciate that. Daniel, thank you. Charlie says, college sports needs a commissioner to put guardrails on the portal in NIL process. It does. It does. Now, again, I'm all in favor of NIL happening. I'm all in favor. And I think some of you, even that, even the ones that aren't crazy about NIL, I think some of you are. But the problem is, and this is the bigger issue, it's not black and white. It's There's a lot of gray area. And because of that gray area, things are getting out of control. Things are getting out of control, and I don't know how. I don't know how you can keep a program stable. I don't know how you can make certain things happen as far as trying to go out there and win the way that you feel like you know you need to, not just feel, the way you know you need to. Again, Shane Beamer, he knows what needs to happen. His coaching staff knows what needs to happen. They're going to bring in some talented players in this recruiting class. They have some talented players that will be back next year. And they have some talented players that have been there for the last couple seasons that will also be back. But they also know they're going to have to go out into the portal and they're going to have to bring in some talented players, right? 
call it flex seal, call it plug in the holes, whatever the case may be. There's certain areas that this team had blind spots to a year ago that they need to address. There's some areas that weren't necessarily blind spots and they knew were going to be issues, especially if they got hurt at certain positions. As we saw, that was the case at certain positions. So how do you address that this year? How do you address that when you have star players leaving? Well, you have to bring the next guy in, next man up, next man up. You can't just sit here and say, oh, woe is me. You can't just say, oh, man, they're tampering. Unless you have concrete evidence, and again, even if you do, I don't know if the NCAA is going to do anything about it because I don't think they care. I don't think they want to get involved with any of this stuff. They know it's a mess. We all know it's a mess. The coaches know it's a mess. Some of the players that are even benefiting from this, they know it's a mess. I don't know when it ends. I don't know where it ends. I don't know how it can end. Unless you put up some of those guardrails that Charlie was mentioning. Ken says, these are jobs to these kids now. They ask for a raise. They don't get it. They leave for a higher paying job. And Ken, I, that's the that's the tricky part of it all. Because everything you said right there is a thousand percent accurate. Thousand percent. And some of these players, some of these players, they are getting paid a good bit. They are getting paid a good bit. And they want more. They want more. Or some of these guys feel like their teammate is making more money because that player is going around the locker room saying, well, I'm getting paid this much. And they're not even getting close anywhere near that number. The amount of times I've heard that, especially over the last year, I could, geez, I'd have enough money to be able to retain some of these players if I had a nickel for every time I've heard that. Goodness. Goodness. Hades RNG says, we about to have a Dion type offseason. I, I really wouldn't go that far. I think the reason why it feels that way certainly is because it starts with one of your key players making, you know, the idea of Juice Wells entering the portal. I think it starts with that. So it's a big name guy. I get that. But this is happening everywhere in college football. It really is. And the reason why it's happening at South Carolina right now is because you're not going to a bowl game. If South Carolina was playing in the, you know, the Chimichanga Bowl, whatever the heck it is, some just some 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 low tier bowl game. I'm not saying some of these players wouldn't enter the portal. I think they would, but I also think we would see more players wait until after the bowl game. Again, portal opens up on Monday. Some players are starting to enter it right now. But the floodgates are really going to happen on Monday. But I do think that we would have seen less players than what we will see. Than what we will see. But it's happening everywhere. Everywhere it's happening. Kevin says about Tree. I haven't heard anything on Tree, so I'm not going to comment on that unless we know something definitive. Lewis, good to have you here. Is this a South Carolina issue? Haven't seen it in other programs or being hit as hard. It's not. Again, I just feel like because of the timing, the fact that South Carolina is not going to a bowl game, we're seeing it more. We're hearing it more. I think you're going to see it across college football now. I'm not naive to, to know that not every school is going to be hit the same way. But I think we're going to see this everywhere. I truly do. I truly do. So buckle up. 
Buckle up. Captain Shark says, GC Central reporting just now that Dials has declared. Yep, we have put that out there. And again, I'm getting back to some of these comments as I scroll on down. And again, I appreciate everyone tuning in. Yeah, Erlen says it is what it is with Landon Sampson. Wish he would have gotten more opportunities, but I wish him nothing but the best. I mean, from everything I was told about Landon, and again, Landon, if you're just joining us uh, prior to the start of the show, I was informed. I was informed that. Okay, and I'll share some of this news with you. Some of it I can't, but um, but as far as Landon, I'll get back to this point of, of a text message I just got. With Landon, you know, it was about stacking good days on top of good days. He did some good things. There were some days that, you know, he he could have stacked more good days. And I also think, too, that, you know, Landon, um, Landon didn't have that opportunity the same way that maybe some other players did. It's tough sometimes because – when it comes to when it comes to identifying certain players and talking about whether they should have played more, whether they know whatever the case may be, we're going based off of things that we're told from people that are at the practice each day. And during the regular season, the media has no access to those practices. So that's kind of what I've been told, and that's what I'll relay. Um, the information that I was just told. Um, there could be some tweaks. I'll put it that way. There could be some tweaks to the coaching staff in the coming days between now and Monday. So Gamecock Central will keep you posted as far as any of that is a concern. Uh, but that is kind of some of the things that we're monitoring as far as who, as far as how many, we don't know, but that is what has been relayed to me as we tape this at three o'clock, if you're watching it later on, or if you're watching it in live time, I appreciate you tuning in. What else do we have here? Brian says, can we get a list of players leaving or is it some other site that I can find it? Gamecock central will have everything, Brian Gamecock central will have everything. Um, again, the players that I know, either have entered the portal or intend to enter the portal. Colton Gothier, Gothier intends to enter the portal. I was told that he's going to be submitting his paperwork on Monday. Mitch Jeter intends to enter the portal, the kicker. Landon Sampson intends to enter the portal. He has not submitted his paperwork yet. Um, I've also been told and we've also found out about Juice. Again, as we do this show live at 3 o'clock, Juice has not entered his paperwork to my knowledge. And uh, that's kind of where we stand, uh, Tanner Bailey as well. But if we get if we get any more information on some of those players, I will. As well as if we get any more information on some of the players that I've been told to keep an eye on. You know, one thing that's taking place right now, and I'll, and I'll share this, some of the players are going in and they're emptying out their lockers. And it makes it a little bit easier to know what's going on at South Carolina. So, again, if we have more information, I will keep you posted 
whether it be here or whether it be on Gamecock Central, Chris and Wes, between the three of us, we have our boots on the ground and uh, we've been working the phone lines all day. That's why, as I do this show and we're live at 301, going to do an extended version of GC Live today because we still have a bunch of people still watching. So I appreciate you guys. Uh, the more information I get as I do this show, I'll continue to look down on my phone and what I can share, I will. But uh, stuff that I can't, if I can hint at certain things, I will. Daniel says, you're going to have to redo your roster every year now through the portal. That's the challenging part. That's the challenging part. Now, as we all know, there are circumstances that prevent a player from entering the the portal um, X amount of times. For example, you know, we'll use we'll use uh, Gothier, for example, right? Gothier is expected to enter the portal. Gothier hasn't entered the portal yet. Gothier enters the portal. If he wants to go somewhere else once he's a grad student, he can do that as well. If Johnny comes into South Carolina after transferring in, transferring in from a different school, from a different school, his freshman year, he's not going to be able to do that unless, number one, he's a grad transfer, or number two, there's a coaching change. The head coach either is fired or he decides to leave. So I bring these things up because while it does feel at times that players can hop from team to team, which they can essentially, there also still are some perimeters. Now, there's some things I would like to see the NCAA do to help limit that. I don't know if it would completely shut it down, but one thing that I would like to see them do, and it's tough because I'm in favor of trying to get some experience for these players, but to me, what could help is by taking away the ability to play um, in four games or less. The reason I say that is, excuse me, if you play in four games or less, you maintain your year of eligibility. I say that because I feel like we do see some players do that. Uh, mentioned the Xavier McLeod situation. He didn't want to play in you know X amount of games because he wanted a redshirt. Well, if you eliminate that, you play in a game, you redshirt. Now that kind of, you're not able to redshirt, I think that gives the NCAA and gives teams a little bit more power. I don't think it's a foolproof idea, but for any players that want to control the narrative in the sense of, you know what, I'm just going to dip out of here. Screw it. I'm gone. And they don't appear in four games. I think it could help out a little bit because now they're using a year of eligibility, especially if they're getting paid at all from an NIL standpoint. Um, Let's see what else we got here. Cap, good to have you back on. Another question from you or a comment. There needs to be structure and rules put around NIL where it's going to screw the schools, the players, the fans, and the sport. I agree. I agree. Yeah, and Ken, Ken, you bring up another good point. Ken, you've been on fire today. Ken shares that um, gonna have to maximize funds or on, on diamonds in the rough and not take it personally if they leave after a year or two. That's the the challenging part. But I will say this, and I mentioned this before. If you're just joining us, I understand why there's so much hoopla around when a player comes out of call a high school and he's a four star, five star, even a three star, right? Compared to a player who may have been a two star in high school 
or didn't even have any stars coming out of high school. But as I mentioned before, and we've seen it not just at South Carolina, but other schools, I mentioned Michigan being one of them with Coastal Carolina, we're seeing schools develop players, whether it be in the Ivy League, Patriot League, FCS, or lower FBS levels. And because a player didn't have the type of exposure coming out of high school, or maybe he wasn't as developed enough from a body standpoint, or maybe just the way he plays the game, maybe he, whatever the case may be, got coached up better. Maybe he didn't have the same type of coaching at the high school ranks. Maybe he didn't have the same type of strength and conditioning program that he did in the high school ranks, which is often the case. Because of a lot of these factors, we're seeing a lot of talented guys have opportunities to play in the Power Five ranks. And from a fan standpoint, for some, not all, but from a fan standpoint, I see some people get so caught up on, wait a minute, he was playing in the Ivy League. Wait, he was playing in the Patriot League. Wait, he was playing at Furman. I don't want that. I want the four-star guy that was coming out of high school. Why? Why? Now, certainly, if you have an opportunity to pick up a Spencer Rattler, a talented guy like that, 1,000%, you want that. I get that. Absolutely. But I also think there's something to be said about going after a guy. And again, I'll just use Harvard because I know Harvard's in the mix. I think there's something to be said about a guy that played at Harvard who was a friggin' stud for four years or three years, All-American, whatever the case may be, All-Ivy League, and has proven that he can play at the college level compared to a guy that was a four-star coming out of high school but has rolled the bench the last two years at Kentucky and hasn't proven anything. Now, again, there could be a possibility that that kid just didn't have the opportunity at that school. But I also think there's something to be said about the players that, at least from the track record that Shane Beamer and this coaching staff have brought in from smaller schools, it's 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 proven that it has worked here. And again, because there's going to be some people that will be like, well, you know, there's some people that uh, have come in here and hasn't panned out. Yeah, no kidding. But we can play this game. If you want to go back and forth and move the goalposts all day, we can do that. If you're going to say that, let's talk about the other example of guys that have come in from other Power 5 schools that haven't panned out here. I mean, we can play this game. And it's not just South Carolina. We can talk about other schools too. So, yeah, when you bring in a player from the transfer portal, whether it be a player that has played at another Power 5 school or whether it be a player that played at a smaller school, there's always going to be a risk. There's always going to be a chance. But I don't think it's as simple as just being able to say, okay, yeah, go after this guy because this is how many stars he had coming out of high school. It's not how it works. And yes, we work at a recruiting site. Yes, we use a star system. Once you get to college, the stars don't mean diddly. It means nothing. It's nice to reference when you're talking about from a recruiting standpoint, when you say, hey, guys, you know, we've had the 15th best or the 10th best recruiting class in the nation the last, you know, X amount of years. Like, yeah, that's great. That sounds good. But honestly, if you talk to these coaches, they don't care about any of that. They don't. They don't. Because once you get on campus, they don't care how many stars you have. You have to earn everything. You have to earn everything. Daniel says, probably looking at eight wins at best now with this. Next year's schedule is going to be tough regardless. Uh, what's up, Travis? Next year's schedule is going to be tough regardless. And as I mentioned earlier in the week on Tuesday, for anyone that tuned into GC Live, and if you guys aren't a Tuesday night viewer, we welcome you. Every Tuesday night in the offseason will be at 6 o'clock. We'll do a deeper dive into Gamecock football all offseason as we get ready now for the 2024 season, which is just kind of weird to say right now. But as I mentioned on Tuesday, yes, did I have a did I get a hint? Was I kind of told? Was I kind of tipped off that Tanner Bailey and Colton Gothier were going to be entering the portal? Yes, yes. 
But as I wrote on Monday on Gamecock Central, it was Tuesday, excuse me. And then on that show that I mentioned on Tuesday night on GC Live, I mentioned that you have to go into the portal. Because when you look at the depth chart for South Carolina for the quarterback row, and you can look at this for multiple positions, but specifically talking about the quarterback row, you have three quarterbacks right now in that room. And that includes Luke Doty. Doty, Sellers, Reno. And Reno, of course, will be arriving in January. The true freshman quarterback, four-star for the class of 2024. Of those three, Doty is the only one that has started a game. But the last time he started a game was back in 2021. I believe he has six career starts. So I bring that up because whether you believe Sellers is the guy or not, right? And I know there's a large portion of this fan base that believe he's the guy. And that's great. That's phenomenal. Problem is, who's going to be your number two guy? Are you going to put Doty in a situation where he's in limbo and he's going back and forth like he was doing this past season between wide receiver and quarterback? Or for the sake of conversation, let's say Doty wants to play wide receiver. Now you have just Sellers and Reno in that room. And if any fan base, if any fan base knows that you're just one play away, especially at that position, it should be this fan base. Go back to 2021. What happened? Injury galore at the quarterback position. Injury galore. You had to play a grad assistant at quarterback in Zeb Nolan. And Zeb did a really nice job, all things considered. But you had to play three. You started technically four different quarterbacks. The fourth one was by choice, though, was um, a coaching decision from a schematic standpoint, being able to play to carry on Joyner. But for the sake of conversation, you started three different quarterbacks because of injuries that year. So if any fan base, if any team, if any coaching staff knows that you need depth, at that room, in that room, and you need proven depth at that. Competition, right? Talk about it all the time with Beamer. Competition is one of the core values of this team. You're going to have to go out there into the portal. So that's why I was hinting at all that on Tuesday night, and as we saw yesterday with the news about Tanner Bailey, and again, Gothier has not submitted his papers, but I've been told he plans to on Monday, then you're going to have to go out there and bring someone in. And here's the challenging part. Here's the challenging part. Who do you bring into South Carolina that you feel comfortable with? Again, let's say you're a seller's guy, okay? Who do you feel comfortable with that, God forbid, something were to happen to your quarterback one, that you feel good about leading this program going forward for the season? You're going to want someone that has experience. I think the tricky part is if you're trying to find someone that has proven talent, Improving experience, all this, right? Whatever you want to call it. And he's played at a Power 5 school. He's not going to come here to be a backup at South Carolina. I'm sorry. Let's just call for what it is, right? We try to be very honest and very direct on this program. And I know some people are going to get pissed when I say this, but let's just call for what it is. We're just being honest with ourselves. This isn't Georgia. This isn't Alabama. Who wants to come to South Carolina if they were a starter And at another Power 5 school, who wants to be a backup at South Carolina? So if you're bringing someone in here, based on the description that I just described, they're coming in here with the intentions of being the starting quarterback. And that's not a bad thing, even if you are a Sellers guy, because that's going to push Sellers. That's going to push Reno, 
but you need that in the room because again, whether Sellers is the week one starter or not, you need to have more competition in this room. I think Reno's going to be a phenomenal quarterback at South Carolina. That's great, right? Well, he hasn't even took a snap yet in practice at USC. So even if Sellers is the guy, do you feel comfortable and confident enough that Reno can be your number two quarterback heading into week one, just based on where we are today? I don't know if I can say that. I don't know if I can say that. So that's one of the challenges that South Carolina is going to be facing. I'm going to hop around with some of these comments. There's so many of them, and I appreciate you guys tuning in. I'll try to go back and go back to some of the comments. And Bruin Nation, I appreciate you tuning in. And you know better. You know better about Sellers. You had an opportunity to watch the young man in high school and Certainly the opportunities he had when he got on the field, right? Four for four in passing. Didn't didn't uh, have an incompletion. Two touchdown passes. Said Sellers is way better. I think we were talking about Grayson McCall. Snakeman83 says, that's why I like Sluka from Holy Cross. I love Sluka. My college coach coached him over there, Bob Chesney, and he's a friggin' dude. He's a dude. But going back to Bruin Nation... Their thoughts. And Travis says, does it really matter? It does. It does matter. You need depth in that room. So again, if Sellers is the guy, and I'm not here to say, I'm not here to say that he's not the guy. If he is the guy, that's phenomenal. He's had an opportunity to be able to learn the system for a year. He'll have more opportunities this spring. But you need more depth in that room. I think we can all agree with that, right? You can't just go into the season. Can't go into the season just having Sellers and Reno on the roster, even if you throw Luke Doty in there. You can't. You can't. So I just don't know where South Carolina is going to look to when they come to from a portal standpoint for a quarterback. Because again, if you're going after a guy that has experience, and that's the way it should be, right? Every position. I mean, quarterback, obviously, it stands out a little bit more. But you're going to go after someone that is going to come in here with the intentions of being the starting quarterback. To me, that's the way it should always be at any position. But I think it would help Sellers. I think it will certainly help Reno. I think already Reno and Sellers are going to push push each other. I think it's going to be some great competition. I think obviously Sellers, from a talent standpoint in certain areas, yeah. And he's proven that because he's been able to play at this level and he's been able to demonstrate that regardless against the guys he was going out there against. Because obviously the majority of the playing time he's had was against you know backups. But he, at least he's proven. He has some tape at this level. Reno hasn't got here yet. So... And he's also had the year to be able to learn the system and everything with Dow Loggins. But I think it can help him out so much if you're able to bring in someone that can push him. Uh, what else we got here? And again, there's so many things that I want to go back and look at because there's so many comments. Jody says, heard anything about Lembo going to JMU? I haven't. Uh, but if you're just joining us, the James Madison job has opened up. I have talked to some of my Sources at the FCS ranks. Um, I've heard different names that are being floated out there. There's one name in particular that I would love to have his name associated with, and it has nothing to do with South Carolina. I mentioned his name just a little while ago. So some of you will understand what I'm trying to say, but I also don't want to say anything as far as telling players to leave his program that he's currently at, because I want to see wherever he is. I want to see him do very well. Um, because he has a personal connection with me, and I'll leave it at that. What else we got here? 
Stickman83 says, Doty can be a very solid wide receiver, though. I, I think the thing that people lose sight of is, yeah, is Doty going to be the type of player that's going to lead the country in receiving yards and do all that? No, but there's certain things that he brings to the table. And the reality is, when you look at South Carolina's wide receiver room, if certain guys weren't playing, what does that tell you? What does that tell you? They're not just throwing Doty out there because he's a charity case, right? This isn't something like some sweet uh, sweepstake that he won. It's like, all right, Luke, you're going to go out there and play wide receiver. Here you go, that a boy. No, it's because he's doing things that the coaches feel good about. Now, having said all that, should South Carolina look at the portal for wide receiver? Absolutely. You could say that about multiple positions, but especially wide receiver. No question. They have some talented guys that they're trying to develop. Nicholas Harbor is still coming along. Again, we remind people, Nick Harbor was not a five-star wide receiver coming out of high school. He was a five-star DN slash tight end. He was an athlete. There's still things that he's learning at the wide receiver position. So I bring that up. And again, as I mentioned, I won't say specifically what positions. There could be some other players leaving. And I will say on the offensive side that South Carolina will need to replace. Whether it be guys that were starters, whether it be guys that were working in on the number two depth chart. They were the backups. South Carolina is going to have to replace some of those guys. Let's see. So Yoda, you bring up a point, and I'm sure you're not the only one thinking this. Yoda says, I'm done giving to NIL, no loyalty. Why should I be loyal? They got my money. I feel so robbed. Juice cut deep and wide. I think what you're saying is uh, juice cut you, and the cut is deep and wide. The frustrating part of it all is everything you're saying I agree with. However, and I've used this analogy before, it's like taking care of a garden, right? Let's say you have a garden, your neighbor has a garden next door. They're taking care of their garden, and they're doing an unbelievable job with it, and you're pissed off that your crops aren't tasting the way that you want, right? I don't want to go too crazy with this analogy, but the point being is they're not going to stop taking care of their garden and if you stop and not you don't take care of your garden what's going to happen everything's going to go to crap so there's no magic wand there's no answer to it all other than you get what you pay for and sometimes yeah you're going to get burned guys will leave and i can understand why players uh people feel robbed when a certain player decides to leave your program i understand that that's just the reality that we're in. And it's not as simple as saying, okay, you're making a statement and you're showing the player, you're showing the program that you're not going to invest in NIL until they start winning. It doesn't work that way. It's one thing when you have a professional team, right? And they're not doing well. And even a college team sometimes, we've seen it here at South Carolina with other sports, not just football, but other sports as well. When they're not winning, you're able to voice your displeasure by not going to games by not filling up the arena. And sometimes that leads to players, excuse me, coaches getting fired, right? I understand that. This isn't the same. This isn't the same. The only person that you're really screwing over or the only thing you're really screwing over is the team itself. And that's why I feel for guys like Shane Beamer. I feel for coaches out there on the FBS ranks who are doing things the right way. but from an NIL standpoint, and even though, and again, credit guard at trust for the deal that they just set up earlier this week with the anonymous donor 
can be matching a gift up to $1 million. So you could be looking at an additional $2 million coming in. And a lot of the funds from everything I've been told from Garnet Trust since that initiative was public, went public, was published, things have been going well. But that's, again, one of the tricky things that you're trying to figure out is you're going to have a, a large portion of this fan base, I'm sure, I'm sure, very, very upset about some of the information and some of the details as far as who's entering the portal, who's leaving, who's thinking about leaving. Because they're going to be like, wait a minute, I feel like I just got bamboozled. And I think it's a fair, fair sentiment to feel. But unfortunately, it doesn't change the fact that these other programs, they're not going to slow down. They're not going to slow down. Just because a program, again, in this case, South Carolina, has had a couple players decide to hit the portal. I mean, I wish I had the answer for you guys. I wish. Marty goes, if our culture is so good, why are key contributors jumping into the portal? Is it all financial? Or is there something else going on behind closed doors? So I think when you look at the way I look at it is I look at it case by case, right? Because if you look at some of the players that we're talking about today, whether it be Juice Wells, whether it be Colton Gothier, whether it be about Landon Sampson, right? You look at some of those players, Tanner Bailey. Players are leaving for different reasons. It's not as simple as saying they're leaving because of financial reasons. Or Mitch Jeter, right? I keep throwing out different players' names. Some players are leaving because, yes, they want to be able to get more money. That That's nothing new to South Carolina. This happened last year. This has happened at other schools. It's going to continue to happen to other schools. That's number one. Number two, playing time, right? People want opportunities to play. Some players decided to stick it out and get their degree. I mentioned Colton Gothier. Colton is scheduled to graduate this December, which would mark just three years that it took him to get his degree. He wants to go somewhere else. I think he has two years of eligibility. Landon Sampson, another example. Things didn't work out here. Landon has not submitted his paperwork in yet. But as I reported on Gamecock Central earlier this afternoon, I think it right actually as, as this show started around 2 o'clock, that he is set to enter the portal. So I bring some of these players up because there's different players leaving for different reasons. And I think that's the frustrating part. That's another frustrating part for the fans, and not just the fans, but for the coaching staff, is that some of it you can control to a degree, but there's a lot of it that you can't. You can't control if a player... And I don't want to say specifically Juice because it's not just him. There's other players that are that would fit this description. And there will be more, unfortunately, in the coming days, it sounds like, that want to make more money. And the collectives of these universities have to make a decision. And it's not just the collectives that are making these decisions. I'll just leave it at that. But they have to make a decision how much a player is going to get paid. If they want to make X amount of dollars, but that's not in the cards for a university to be able to do, a collective to be able to do, then what are you supposed to do? You have to make a tough business decision. You have to look at it and be like, all right, what is their value in our eyes? What is the value to them as a, as a player, as an individual? How much do they value themselves? And can we come to a some type of a compromise? 
that's going to be a big challenge for some players. And again, some of it has to do with the fact that, and I'm not specifically talking about any player right here. I'm talking in general terms, not just South Carolina, but a lot of schools out there. You have people, you have people's camps in their ears telling them, hey, this is how much you're worth. Hey, do you go see what's what this player is making at that school? Hey, you had more catches. Hey, you're more talented than this. Again, the way that NIL was set up, the way that it was supposed to be intended to be used, it's not pay to play. It's not. You going out there having 10 catches or having 10 touchdowns, wherever the case may be, 100 catches, 1,000 yards receiving, that has nothing to do with NIL. That's not what this was set up to do. However, I think we're all naive if we say that that's not what it's becoming. That's not what it's becoming. Now, that doesn't mean that when they're signing a a deal with one of these collectives or, you know, Bobby's uh, sub shop or whatever, um, you know, Tom's Toyota, whatever the case may be, a car dealership, that doesn't mean that you know, there aren't some of these things going on. It's not supposed to be that way, but that's not what it's supposed to be, right? But a lot of these things are happening. Just like tampering is not supposed to happen. <laughs> well, it's happening. We know that's happening. We know that it's happening. What else we got here? Some questions. And again, if you're just joining us, I know much, many people have mentioned Roy, what are you talking about? Come on, man. Gothier wasn't sniffing the field. We're using him as an example. If you're just joining us, we're going to talk about every player on the roster the same exact way. Whether you're a starter, whether you're someone that's on the bottom of the depth chart, we're going to use every example that we have here. So I don't know what the heck you're talking about. You must be just joining us now. Um, all right. So Xander says, how many players do you think end up leaving in total? That's a good question. So, Again, if we're talking about scholarship players, right? Scholarship players. As of Monday, this would include guys like Mario Anderson, guys that walked the other night. But let's say there's 90 scholarship players, okay? 90 scholarship players. And this does not include the ones that um, were going to be leaving anyway, like a DeCarion Joiner. Right now, if there's a player that decides to declare, that's a little different. Including players that will declare to go along with transfer portal, I'd probably say around 15. I think someone actually said that exact number. There we go. Cameron, 15. I would say about 15, give or take. And the reason I say that is because I think that is a number that, number one, we talk about the number of scholarships they have and they have to get down to a certain number. I, I think it would it would fit the criteria as far as what you're expecting. Now, those numbers that I mentioned about being in the ballpark around 90 and some of those numbers are going down simply because people are either entering the portal or there's guys that are declaring. Some of those numbers are going down, but that also that number also includes the players that are expected to be signing with South Carolina on December 20th, which is the first early signing day period, as well as uh, some of the guys that will be signing later. Now, of course, that recruiting class for the class of 2024 isn't complete. So you're going to even hit a higher, a higher number. But that's kind of where I would say, Todd says, of those 15, how many are current starters? I think that's tough to say, Todd. Because when we look at that, and I'm not trying to be a wise guy, 
are we specifically talking about guys who were starters this past year? Or are we talking about guys who are projected to be starters next year? Now, if you ask me that, 15, I would say the number of starters, again, guys who were starters this past year, I think that number is smaller than the 15 that we're talking about. Um, now, if we look at projected starters for this next this upcoming year, based on where we are today, we could obviously see that number up just a little bit more, you know? So again, that's not to be a wise guy, but to try to answer your, your question the best that I can. Uh, what else we got here? And again, guys, if you're just joining us, doing my best at. All right. It looks like we have another player that entered the portal. I think my colleagues at Gamecock Central are on top of this, but I alluded to it before that there could be more players entering the portal as early as today. I want to make sure. Let's see. just want to make sure before I say it on here that it's out there. And I would, I'll, I'll do this because I don't want to make it like a, like a big um, cliffhanger. I wouldn't say it was someone that I think people would be excited to see or were excited to see grow over time, but wasn't a starter. So give me a minute, guys, to confirm that before I can um, – well, not confirm, make sure that we're good to go on sharing some of these things. Um. No, Curtis, I, I wouldn't say that. Again, this is this is something that's happening everywhere. The reason why it just feels like it's happening more at South Carolina is simply because South Carolina season's done. South Carolina season's done. If they had made, and I joked earlier, you know, Chimichanga Bowl, the Birmingham Bowl, whatever the case may be, yes, I still feel like there would have been players that would have entered the portal before that simply because they want to get their name out there a little bit earlier. But I also think that there were guys that were going to enter the portal regardless afterwards. Um, and I'm not going to entertain some of the, you know, the comments that are being made, you know, unless you hear it from Gamecock Central, we're not going to, we're not going to entertain some of this. Um, and that's what I would advise people to do as well. If you're hearing some things out there, Diesel says, how much does it cost per month? to join GC Live. Well, GC Live is free. GC Live is free. We do these shows 2 o'clock every Thursday. We'll continue to do them in the off-season. Might take a week off or so around Christmas time. Uh, and then on Tuesday nights in the off-season, GC Live, we do a show on uh, Tuesdays at 6. Now, Wes and Chris, they also do shows throughout the season. They do those at 2 o'clock Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I'm not 100% sure as to whether or not they're going to continue to do those in the off season. But um, just to give people an idea of how much it costs, and I will share the link if anyone is interested in joining Gamecock Central. I think that's what you were, that's what you meant. You could sign up uh, for $1 for the first month, and then it's, $9.99 a month after that, or you can do the standard rate, which is $109.99 for the entire year. And what I would tell people is, I'm not just saying this because I, I work at Gamecock Central. 
as someone that was not part of the message board community, and yes, just like Twitter, I mean, yes, I mean, there's always going to be some knuckleheads out there. Having said all that, if you are a Gamecock fan, especially with the recruiting stuff that Chris and Wes do, they are the two of the best. So there's some talented people out there, but those two guys, especially being able to work with them, they are so locked in when it comes to stuff like that. And between myself, Chris, and Wes, it's very rare that we're going to miss on something as far as football information goes. You know, if something comes out there, we put it up on Gamecock Central as quickly as we can as soon as we're able to confirm it. So um, usually if something breaks from a football standpoint, you'll see it on Gamecock Central first. So that's what I would say to that. Here's the link if anyone is interested in signing up. Take advantage of it. It's going to really start to pick up over these next couple of days. And it's not just football and recruiting and NIL, transfer portal, all that other stuff. Basketball season is here. Men's basketball is playing out of their mind right now to start the season. Um, 6-0 and to start. I think it's just the seventh time in program history, which goes all the way back to 1908. But this is the best start since South Carolina went to the Final Four during that 2016-17 season. So head on over there. Women's basketball stuff as well. Don't know if a lot of recruiting sites actually follow women's basketball. I can know this for certain. They don't follow it the same way that Gamecock Central does. So if you're a fan of women's basketball, you'll also have a chance to be able to check that stuff out. And baseball, too. Uh, Phil says, appreciate how responsible y'all report things. Yeah, and I mentioned this earlier. You know, there's going to be times where we miss. We're only as good, of our, good, as good as our sources. You know, you live and you learn. If you make a mistake, you move forward. But uh, I'd say uh, the batting average for all three of us is pretty pretty dang high, especially when it comes to the football news. Chuck says, I'm a GC member. Y'all do a great job. Worth the money. Thank you, Chuck. Yes, if you're just joining us, the player that uh, – oh, the, well, I mentioned Landon Sampson earlier. I'm waiting right now. I'm hearing uh, right now, I just want to make sure, because right now, as you can imagine, and I, uh, I've i done this before. I remember at Watch Fox, I think I had my old colleague, Colin Taylor, was on air with me, and I'm literally on air, and that's when I got the news that, goodness, this is what happens when uh, when you've had the uh, the type of day that we've had today, that a running back was transferring to South Carolina. That Tavian Feaster was transferring from South uh, from Clemson to South Carolina, and I'm on air, and I'm just looking at Colin, and I said, "Hey, um, I'm going to just report this. I mean, we have there, and I told my directors, I said, "Hey, we got to go with this." So I have some experience with this. When Muschamp got fired, we broke that. Try to get information in live time on air. So bear with me; it's a little bit different when you're not on TV and you're doing one of these shows simply because there's not a time constriction. So We'll go as long as we can. And depending on when you're watching this, some of this information could be old news. There could be more information, but we are doing this show live at 3.36 right now. It is 3.36. But I'm just waiting for confirmation on whether or not I can go ahead and share that name. But again, it's not a starter. I will just put that out there. I'm not trying to um, you know, tease anyone or dangle a carrot in front of someone's face. I'm just trying to be as transparent with you guys as possible. But I also want to uh, make sure that, you know, we do things in a, in a way that are respectful to the player and make sure that we are uh, we have the green light before we go ahead 
and share that information. So hopefully I'll be able to share that information shortly with you guys, but it's not, it's not a starter. It's not a starter. Um, it's not someone that I was anticipating being a starter next year either. So I will throw that out there just to make sure that um, we're all on the same page here. Let's see what else do we have here that we can hit on before we wrap things up. Um, Cause I shoot. I mean, the audience today, you guys are phenomenal. Phenomenal. R.L. Smith, I need a mix of water in this evening. You have to mix in a little bit more than that tonight, R.L. Smith. Shoot, I might have to mix in more than a water today with everything that's going on. I Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to slow down anytime soon in the next couple of days, especially once we hit Monday um, when the floodgates officially open. Because I think, yes, we're starting to see some players share their intentions on entering the portal. Um, or we've reported ourselves at Gamecock Central. But there's going to be some players that are going to take the weekend to really think things over before making their decision ultimately and coming out on Monday and deciding, okay, I'm putting my paperwork in. So that's why I'm not going to be shocked if we see more on Monday. That's not to alarm anybody, but that's kind of just where we're at. Brandon, when you say players meeting meetings end tomorrow i don't know specifically i will say this that some players might have their meetings trickle into next week some players to my understanding they have been told to kind of think it over during the weekend and over the weekend to come back and then they'll have another meeting on monday i don't know specifically i don't have the full list i mean i have an idea of some of those players that will have another meeting on monday but um that's why again monday even into tuesday I think we'll start to see some of that because, again, players will have additional meetings. I know players who are coming back afterwards. <laughs> Charles says, have yourself a nice scotch, Mike. Um, I know I'm just drinking some water with a – we call it squeezy stuff. That was that Mio stuff, you know, free ad right there. I'm trying to get some type of vitamin in me. I don't think I've ate today with all this uh, transfer portal stuff. But – um yeah, we will uh, we'll keep you posted again if anything changes with some of these players. Uh, what else we have here? Let's see if there's anything else. I want to make sure that we're not missing anything. Yeah, so again, if you're just joining us, the players... The players, as far as a transfer portal standpoint, I'm not talking about Marcellus style. Um, I'm not talking about Marcellus style. I'm looking actually at some of this stuff. Let's see what we got here. Yeah, there are some, again, there's two players that I've been monitoring the last, I'd say, 10 minutes or so. And I'm just waiting to make sure that we have confirmation to go ahead and report that here as my colleagues are dealing with it in live time. Yep. Okay. And I think one of our, uh, one of the people that I was watching actually just mentioned it. So that means that Chris and West did go ahead and put that up. Yep. Felix Hickson is expected to enter the portal. Yep. Wes just put that up. So again, I have, you know, I'm looking at my phone in real time. I'm trying to be as a commutative. I don't know if I'm just making up words. I'm just trying to relay things to you guys. 
um, the best I can while also making sure that I'm not saying anything that's not a done deal or something that we're waiting to confirm on. Because what happens sometimes, and just to give you guys a behind the scenes look at some of how this stuff works, uh, to some of you guys, you might not care how the, you know, the food's made in the kitchen, but you know, on a day like today, we're constantly Yoda scooped you, Mike. That's fine. Um, yeah, he got it from Gamecock Central, but I'll give Yoda. Yoda, good job. Um, we, um, we're constantly texting people. We're constantly getting phone calls. I mean, since I've been on with you guys for the last nearly two hours, I've probably had about three or four phone calls from people who I would consider, you know, close sources. And I'll just text them back saying, you know, what you got? And there's been some information on guys who could be entering the portal, guys who to keep an eye on. Um, and we, we shared with the, you guys the information about Colton Gothier, how he hasn't submitted his papers in yet, but he's planning on doing so on Monday, according to our sources. Um, let's see what else we got here. WJM41 says, starting to wonder if our NIL checks bounce. No, that's not the case. The problem is you're at a point now where some players, and again, we mentioned this before, we used examples, Colton Gothier, Mitch Jeter. It's not as simple as just saying, it's not as simple as just saying that players are leaving because of money. Now, is that the case for some? And I can confidently say that about some? Yes. But there's also some players who are going to look at their options because they're going to be graduating this December. I share that about Mitch Jeter. I share that about Colton Gothier. You know, some guys, yes, Mitch was starting here. Mitch did some great things this past season. And to a lot of people, it probably makes zero sense. And I totally get that. But some players want to go play elsewhere for their grad year. That's just the reality of it. Now, the fortunate thing about where we stand for the kicking situation, even though Mitch had a phenomenal season this past year for USC, is that you have someone like Alex Herrera, who the, before the start of last season, I'm talking before the 2022 season, you had uh, Parker White tell me that he thought he was going to be, you know, he was going to be the uh, the guy that would start Herrera. Um, again, guys, you know, we will, uh, I'll tell you, unless you see it on Gamecock Central, unless I say it, um, or my colleague Wes and Chris, and there's some other talented people out there that follow this stuff, you know, you're going to see a bunch of rumors. I'm going to do my best to remove remove some of the stuff that we're seeing that hasn't been confirmed. You know, you guys can read through some of it. But, you know, that's kind of where we are. That's kind of where we are. What else we got here, though? There's another player, too. You know, we mentioned uh, Wes put the the story out there about Felix, um, about Hickson, as to why he's looking to leave, as the reason why he's going to be entering the portal. Uh, Wes is reporting he's just looking for more playing time. You know, there's no hard feeling. You know, he already met with the staff, and they wished him well, and they told him anything that they can do to help him. They will do that. If you guys have any questions, I mean, I know I've been talking a lot and trying to relay the information that I've been told. But if you have any questions, let me know. Let me know. We'll wrap things up in a little bit. And um, 
We'll wrap up the show. This has been an extended version of GC Live, but you guys are still locked in. Locked in as ever. So, Cameron asked, any info on potential coaching changes? Nothing to this point where I feel where I feel good enough to to go on record saying things. There's a couple things that we're monitoring between myself, Wes, and Chris that could take place between today and into next week. Um, we're just we're gonna monitor those things. We're gonna monitor those things and once we feel good enough about some of those stories, we will put them out there on Gamecock Central. Again, if you're not a subscriber to Gamecock Central, head on over, sign up for the first month for just one dollar. After that, it is ninety nine. Oh, excuse me, nine ninety nine. That'd be a little crazy. Ninety nine dollars a month. Um, let's see. Kyle says for you, Mike. What positions do you think we need to hit the portal hard at? Well, I alluded to it on Tuesday, and I think I mentioned it earlier in the show, but I'll say it again. To me, one of the key positions is quarterback, and that isn't even if you're big on sellers, even if you are. Locked in that Sellers is the guy, and I completely get that. Having experience, having depth at that position is going to be crucial because let's look at the quarterback room right now, right? With Bailey going, with Gothier going, Luke Doty, between Doty, Sellers, and Reno. Dante Reno will be arriving, the four-star will be arriving in January, true freshman. Between those three, which, again, that's all you have right now, as of today, only Doty has started in the game. And he hasn't started a game at quarterback since 2021. He started six games in his career. So, again, let's say Sellers is the guy. That's great. Now you're trying to figure out how do you go about the process of making sure that you have more experience in that room. Because even if, you know, Reno's talented, how good, as of today, without Reno even stepping foot on campus yet, how good do you feel overall about your quarterback room? Even if you're locked in on sellers, because if any fan base, as I alluded to before, if any fan base, any fan base learned that you're just one play away, especially at that position, it's South Carolina fans. You go back to the 2021 season, you're going through quarterbacks like shoot like socks for crying out loud to a point where you have your grad assistant coach coming out of a mini retirement because he had played ball at Iowa State couple months prior in the spring season because of the COVID season that took place in 2020. They had to play in the spring of 2021. He had to come out of retirement essentially. So I bring that up because USC knows better than anyone, especially this coaching staff. They know, they know they have to go out there. They know they have to go out there and find someone in the portal to be able to create competition in that room. And again, whether you're locked in on sellers or not, I think a lot of people are, and that's that's great. Do you want to bring someone in that doesn't really have experience? So my whole point is when you bring someone in here, they're going to think that they're competing to be the guy, and that's the mentality that you need. So, you know, we can sit here, we can throw out names about who South Carolina could look at, should look at at the quarterback position. Again, regardless of how you feel about sellers, simply because you need you need more depth, you need competition in that room. As far as some other positions are concerned, I think the running back room will be it could be in pretty good shape. It all depends on a couple factors, right? Does Mario Anderson come back? Do, are they able to land Daniel Hill, who is certainly still in the mix, despite what some people have said probably about a month ago? As I continue to have said on Gamecock Central, based on the conversations I've had with people close to the situation. 
I think you look at, you know, the offensive line position. Yes, you've been able to develop some talented guys from this past season because of the injuries. But at the same time, too, that's always a position that I'm always looking at simply because you can never have enough talented guys um, and enough experienced guys on the offensive line. South Carolina learned that the hard way, unfortunately, this past year because of injuries. Defensive line, yeah, you look at the defensive line. I think the other thing, too, that I would look at is when you look, I mean, honestly, and it's real easy just to say this, you're looking at multiple positions. Linebacker is one of those spots that you're trying to continue. You're continuing to find players that you feel like can provide depth. That's why when we look at whether it be tight end, whether it be a linebacker, really any position, but when you look at those positions in particular, that's why I'm like, I'd rather have someone that's experienced that has played three or four years and was an absolute stud at the FCS level or lower FBS level over a guy who was a four-star coming out of high school and has rode the bench the last two years at another SEC school. That's just that's just my opinion on it. That's just my opinion on it. Let's look at some of the comments you guys have. I mean, they are coming in fast. And Nick, you say it best. Out of all the guys that have transferred or announced their intentions, only two were legitimate starters. Everyone calm down. Nick. You're spot on. You are spot on. And that's not to say, and Frederick, I appreciate it, that's not to say we might not see another starter or two, but it goes back to one of the things I was told from someone very close to the program, very close. It's not as bad as what it seems. This is this is happening everywhere. It's just It seems like it's worse right now simply because the stuff with juice, and then you have another starter in there, your kicker. Your kicker. Good kicker, but your kicker. What else we got here? I I think we'll see. We'll see, Travis. I know Reno's going to come in here. He's going to compete. And that's what you want in that quarterback room. I've shared this story before. Garcia and Stephen, uh, Stephen Garcia and Connor Shaw... It wasn't kumbaya when they were in that room together. They were competing to be the guy. They were competing to be the guy, and that's what you want. You want competition. Certainly, Sellers, we we expect him to be a very talented guy. He's been able to demonstrate that, even against some backups, simply because he's had experience to play in college a little bit, right? Again, it doesn't matter that he was playing against the backups. We've seen at least a little taste of it. Reno, we haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen it yet. Uh, let's see. Nick says, we're playing at Bama, Oklahoma, and Clemson. You're going to need an experienced QB to play in those environments. And I think a lot of people started mentioning this. And again, I, I know people are going to get pissed. Some people will get pissed. This isn't saying Mike's saying, oh, he doesn't want Sellers to play. Sellers is the dude, which we've seen him. He's very exciting to watch. What I'm trying to get at is, what I'm trying to get at is, you don't have experience right now in that room. You don't. Luke Doty is your most experienced quarterback. So never mind the fact of, the fact that you're banking on a freshman, a redshirt freshman, being the guy, which he could be, which he could be. But you're also limiting yourself if you just say, okay, yeah, we're, we're going to be all right. Yeah, quarterback room is great. Because God forbid, again, injuries as South Carolina has was looked at. The Portland Insider says, you is right. Look at the injury history of the team over the past three years. It's happened. 
it's happened, especially, you know, there. So I think you need to be able to go out there and get some experience in there to simply add depth more than anything and to create that competition to really keep pushing sellers. You know, it's not apples to apples, but I think back to 2020. I think back to 2020, and this isn't saying Mike's comparing this player to that player. It's just an example, right? I'm not talking from like, okay, this player is as talented or he's not as talented as another player, but just bear with me. Ryan Holinsky was given the keys really early on in his career because of the injury to Jake Bentley. Well, what happened? Holinsky was assumed to be the starter the following season. And there were certain things that were said that they didn't feel like Holinsky was doing to a point where they felt like he wasn't acting like the starting quarterback that they need him to be. He wasn't challenged because he assumed that he was going to be the starting quarterback. Well, that led to Colin Hill coming in here and being the starter. And even when there was opportunities for Holinsky to get a chance to go out there, he wasn't. So I say those things because I don't think it's, again, I'm not saying it's apples to apples. They're the same mindset of players. I'm not saying that. But this is why you need, especially at that position, it happens everywhere, but we talk more about about the quarterback position simply because it's the most important position on the field. You need to have competition in that room. You need to have competition in that room. Let's see. Because Travis, this is what you're just assuming. Travis says, if sellers is what we hope, we don't know yet. We don't know. We don't know. Can we wait and see if sellers get sellers gets in there? We can actually see what this kid's all about before we start, like, and you know, start making our plans to Atlanta for the SEC championship. And can we allow Reno an opportunity to get on campus? I mean, come on, man. Come on. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it. I mentioned quarterback, in my opinion, simply because we want to add some depth in there. But um, I think wide receivers in other positions, simply because you're losing Juice Wells. But I think there's a lot of talented players from some of these smaller schools who got overlooked coming out of high school for one reason or another. Or they've developed into being pretty talented. So again, as I've mentioned many times on this program today, don't get so caught up if they bring in a player from a smaller school and he didn't have the number of stars compared to another player coming out of high school. Because as I've mentioned before, who the hell cares what someone had next to their freaking name two or three years ago? Did any of you care about that with Mario Anderson? Did any of you care about that with once he was able to get going out there? No. No. So that's why I say, like, you know, slow the roll on some of it. Let's see. Trying to go through... A lot of this stuff. God uh, God loves comics as the wide receiver from FIU is a beast and juice didn't come from big school, obviously. Yeah, I mean, the, the FIU wide receiver, and I think Chris was talking about him yesterday on Gamecock Central. I'll try to pull up some of the stats for it because I'm glad you brought That's a name that we've been tracking over the last couple days. He is a... He is a player... Uh, Chris Mitchell, he's a player that uh, did a lot of good things at FIU. Uh, This past season, over 1,100 receiving yards, seven touchdowns. 
So again, does this mean, does this mean, and thank you, there it is. Does that mean if you bring in one of these players from a smaller school, does that mean they're going to be an automatic home run? No, no. But at the same time too, at least from a track record standpoint in the short sample size that we have of Shane Beamer and this coaching staff, we've seen that. We've seen that. And as I've mentioned before, we can play this game being like, well, this player didn't pan out. They've had more home runs than they've had strikeouts with these smaller school players. And we can look at some players that have come from bigger schools that haven't panned out. Or maybe they haven't panned out quite yet. And they still have an opportunity to pan out, whether it be this year or the next year. What else we got here? I think the big thing talking about Lenores, Travis, you know what? <laughs> Nate Atkins, Carlins Patel, Mario Anderson. I mean, Travis, did someone piss in your Wheaties today, man? I mean, come on. Juice Wells. I know you're not going to give credit to Nick Gargiulo, but without Nick Gargiulo, we would have been even uglier on the offensive line this year. I mean, come on, man. So that's kind of where we're at with some of this. Um, as far as, again, there's going to be names that we see thrown out there. Some people are just going to do it just to be uh, an instigator. If we hear anything, we'll have it out there on Gamecock Central. I'm going to continue to work the lines. I hear you, John. Hey, look. No, I bet. I bet someone says <laughs> some taters are in the in the uh, message board or whatever in the chat room. Let's see what we got here. R.L. Smith says we can't be mad at players pursuing NIL with less than 2% of all college football players uh, go to the NFL. I think the frustrating part of it all, and we've kind of alluded to it before, NIL isn't going anywhere. And just the way it is right now, and I'm not saying it is perfect because it certainly, it certainly isn't perfect. But having said all that, just because you're losing a player or two through the portal and you gave them a lot of money, right? And I say you, you, the fans, have donated to one collective or another. The frustrating part of it all is if you have a call, just a little protest by not donating it, it's not going to change anything. It's not going to change anything. So that's kind of where we're at with all of that. What else we got here before we wrap things up? I'm going to try to go back to some of the stuff that we were missing before. So Jeff says, speculation about Jefferson well, transferring to South Carolina is sellers a retention issue if KJ ends up here and starts. So obviously, and Jeff, I think you know some of this, but I'm just going to you know, walk th people through this just in case they don't know this. Uh, first and foremost, KJ Jefferson, Arkansas quarterback, has not entered the portal. So that would be the first thing that would need to happen. But whether it be KJ, and we'll use this for anybody, is that something you worry about if you were to bring in? Again, I think you need to bring a quarterback in just to create competition, even if Sellers is the guy. 
competition in depth because you don't have depth at that quarterback room right now. And you can't just look at it and be like, all right, sellers or whoever you think is going to be the guy in that room and everything's okay. Because all it takes is one friggin' hit. And now we're sitting there saying, oh man, they should have hit the portal. How many times, how many times did we say that about certain positions this year about the offensive line? They could have done that better in the running back room, whatever the case may be. We did this song and dance so many friggin' times, especially at the beginning of the year with South Carolina, when all the injuries it felt like were piling up on the Gamecocks. So I say that because instead of putting yourself in a situation, come making this up September, October, and God forbid, and knock on wood, that someone does go down your quarterback room, you don't want to be sitting there saying, man, they should have gone out and bring in an experienced guy. You want to bring someone in, again, to create depth and competition. Whether you think they'll be the starter or not, whether you think Sellers will be the guy or not, that's all irrelevant. You need depth. And I would say that about any position. Obviously, it's going to bring more attention, more notoriety, simply because we're talking about the quarterback position. So I I think the fear is, the fear is simply because quarterback, you only play one guy. You only play one guy there. Whether it be Sellers, will it be Reno? Do you worry about ruffling feathers? To me, if I'm the coach, I'm going in there saying, you know, I'm meeting with Sellers, I'm meeting with Reno, I'm meeting with whoever is in there from a quarterback standpoint. And I would say this to the whole team. We're here to win games. We're going to do what we feel like is in the best interest of the team. And whether or not we feel like you are our, our guy as a starter, whether it be quarterback, running back, receiver, defensive back, whatever position you want to name, We need to make sure that we're looking out for the best interest of the program. And we're going to bring in guys here to create depth. We're going to bring in guys here that want to compete and push the guys in that room to be the best that they can be. And whoever the starter is at this position, that position, that's all irrelevant. That's how we're going to treat things. So that's what I would say about that. And do you worry in just the event that you brought up, Jeff, uh, the scenario, whether it be KJ, whether it be any quarterback out there? Yeah, it's in the back of your mind. But at the same time, too, the reality is if you're not winning games right away, you're not going to be here much longer as a coach. So you have to look out for that. So that's kind of where we're at with things. I think just, you know, again, talking about the quarterback position. But we could talk about any position left. Uh, Steven goes, is Gar, uh, has Gargiulo, have you heard anything about Gargiulo? Does he have any eligibility? Gargiulo does. Gargiulo does have eligibility. And as I mentioned this before, some people may have missed it. Nick was dealing with so freaking much this year. He busted his hand up, had a busted hand, and he was snapping with that busted hand. That's why he was gripping the football a little higher on snaps. That's why we saw some of those low snaps at times. But when you look at how banged up South Carolina's offensive line was, he was still their best option. He was still their best option. I mean, and, I, and I've said this before, talking with people, talking with people at um, other programs, uh, excuse me, talking with other people that are close to the situation, that, that um, Nick was out of position. Yeah, he has experience of playing center at Yale, but at this level, he's a, you know, He's a defensive, uh, he's, he's a guard. I'm going through different things. I'm trying to read and speak at the same time. Um, but yeah, he's he's a guard. He's a guard. Chuck says, Mike, you're a DB. Any eligibility left? Yeah, if you want me to go out there, we can all bet on the over each week. They'll throw it at me uh, every time and uh, 
we'll all hit our over bets. But, um, you know, Gargiulo had to play multiple positions on the offensive line. Could play tackle, guard, center. Um, I think his best fit on the offensive line is guard. But, again, he was playing with multiple injuries, including that hand. And simply because of just how banged up they were, he battled through it simply because they didn't have the depth at certain positions. So we'll wait and see. Ben says, do we know if Jalen Nichols is able to come back? He'd be a huge piece to have next season. Uh, he'd be able to come back. Um, I'm going to make an assumption that he will be back. But obviously, as we know with a lot of players right now, and this isn't trying to scare anyone, but a lot of these situations are fluid. So I would assume he's coming back. I haven't heard definitively that he's going to be back. but I'm going to assume that he's going to be back. Let's see. What do we got here? Someone said, why did you put this uh, in timeout? I didn't put anyone in timeout, Driftwood. I don't know what you're talking about, bud. Yeah, there's people are putting out stuff right now. Unless I've missed something. Let's see. I'm constantly checking my phone. If uh, if I'm not reporting it right now, that means there's I don't have confirmation of it. Or if it's not on Gamecock Central, we go with what we've heard, what we know. So, you know, on a day like this, it's going to give a lot of knuckleheads an opportunity to throw some stuff out there. So um, if we have confirmation on certain things, we'll talk about it. If we don't, then we won't. All right, Travis. Try this again. Travis says, is Simon returning or are we out of tight ends too? I don't know for certain, Travis. I'd love to see him back. He still has an extra year of eligibility. Um, I felt like at times we didn't get to see the Josh Simon that I think a lot of us expected to see simply because the offensive line was so banged up. So they they used a lot of those tight ends to chip more than anything. Or they had to just use him as, as an extra blocker to be able to give Rattler some opportunities to throw the football. So I hope he's back. I think we saw more of his offensive ability towards the end of the season simply because they were able to start doing a little bit more. Obviously the last two games of the year, South Carolina struggled offensively to really do much, especially that last game against Clemson. But I think he's a player that can certainly make an impact in the passing game. I think he's a strong blocker. He's physical. I'd love to see him come back because he's just, he's a fun guy. He's a fun guy to watch. Now, the interesting thing too is Connor Cox, who was a freshman this year, he didn't maintain his year of eligibility simply because of the injuries that were taking place in that tight end room. So you're looking at a guy like Connor Cox, similar to DJ Braswell, the running back. Both those players played more than four games this year. So both those guys aren't going to be able to, to uh, have you know more than three years of eligibility left. They both have three years of eligibility left. Let's see. Billy Anderson says, Mike, thanks for hanging in there with the – OT today, we appreciate it. Bill, I appreciate it. Appreciate you saying that. Um, you know, 
this stuff is a truly a, a wild goose chase, and we'll do our best, not just myself, but all the guys over at Gamecock Central. As far as what we're hearing and what we know for certain, you know, we're not going to put something out there unless we know for certain. And as I've told you guys, if you're just joining in right now, I've been looking down at my phone because I'm constantly talking with my colleagues at Gamecock Central, Chris and Wes, who have done an outstanding job today. But I'm also in communication with some of my sources to figure out what's going on um, with just everything going on at South Carolina today. Let's see. Big Red says, you know, who do we have left if Jeter transfers? Well, Alex Herrera. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, if you're just joining us, good to have you, Big Red, that heading into the 2022 season, your all-time leading scorer in Gamecock history, Parker White, he told me that he felt really good about Herrera. So now, and I've mentioned this before, if there were any thoughts by Herrera thinking about entering the transfer portal, before the Mitch Jeter news, I think it makes things a little bit easier for him to decide, hey, you know what? I'm thinking about coming back. Having said all that, and I think Herrera, certainly based on if Jeter does follow through with what he's saying, the paperwork hasn't been submitted in yet. But if if Jeter's gone, Herrera's still here, you also have to remember that Mason Love's coming in here. Um, Mason Love is a talented specialist as well. So just bringing these things up, I think Mason will, you know, be a punter here ultimately, but he can uh, come in here and create some more depth for you if they need that. I mean, I've seen videos of the kid in games kicking 50-yard bombs. So uh, I'm talking field goals here, not just punts. So he's someone that could at least create that competition because as we talked about before with quarterback you want competition in every friggin' room you can't make people feel comfortable i think that was one of the things that helped mitch jeter because once parker white left there was a true competition in that uh, kicking room for place kicker between herrera and mitch jeter and ultimately jeter became the starting kicker and as we remember some of you may remember mitch jeter's first game i believe i believe i know he had 50 he had two 50-yard kicks. His first kick was a 50-yard attempt, and he drilled it against Georgia State. So I bring those things up because having that competition in the robe, it only helps. It only helps you regardless of the position. So, again, if Alex Herrera is your guy, I would expect Mason Love. I would expect them maybe to look elsewhere and try to bring someone in to create more competition in that place-kicking room simply because, like I said, you want competition. You can't have anyone feeling too comfortable. Can't have anyone feeling too comfortable. Phil says, is the guys having second meetings after giving it a weekend related to coaching staff tweaks that you mentioned? I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that is the reason why. I think it's more so, Phil, the fact that you're trying to tell a player, hey, look, you know, you could be upset for one reason or another. Or you may be weighing your options out as to, should I come back to South Carolina? Should I explore the transfer portal? Whatever the case may be. It could be a guy that's deciding whether or not he wants to come back to South Carolina or whether or not he wants to declare for the NFL draft. I think just having that extra time to process everything, number one. Number two, to clear your head simply because, I mean, the season ended less than a week ago. So 
having a chance to talk with your family, talking about, okay, what makes the most sense? Now, as you mentioned before, you'd be naive to believe that for some of these players, some, not saying all, but some of these players, sure, tampering has gone on. There's no question about that. That's gone on even going back to last season. Some guys who aren't here anymore, some guys who are still here that played through this season were tampered with that I know specifically were tampered with. But as I mentioned before, and someone got mad at the media, um, and he's like, this is what I'm upset about the media. They know tampering's going on, and they do nothing about What the hell do you want me to do? You want me to go on my balcony and just get my fist and just be like, you know, damn you. Damn you, LSU. Damn you. I, what the hell am I going to do? Because the reality is, as I mentioned before, number one, you need concrete evidence. So you can know th- certain things are going on. But unless you have concrete evidence, it doesn't matter. And number two, even if you do have concrete evidence, the NCAA, they don't care. They don't care. They don't care because you know what? It's happening everywhere. And that's the the unfortunate reality. It's happening in a lot of places that's very difficult to police. And the other thing, too, that we mentioned, there's so many ways to get around these things that it's tough. It's it's tougher to police because there's so much gray area. And I, as I mentioned before, one of those things that make it tougher is the fact that with some of the tampering in a lot of these cases, you're having collectives, uh, players on a team or people who aren't associated with the team reaching out to a family member of the player or the player directly. So they're able to kind of maneuver and get away and go around some of these rules simply because there's a lot of gray area. So that is another thing that makes it trickier when you're trying to put evidence together, concrete evidence at that, and say, hey, this is going on. Now, again, you don't have to be friggin' a rocket scientist or um, Jessica Jackson and understand how recruiting works. I think people are, are, are clear as day. It's clear as day as what's going on in some of these cases, which is you have players that are entering the portal right now or intend to enter the portal, and they've had conversations. When I say they, I'm talking their camp. Might not be them directly, but their camp has had conversations with another program, whether it's directly or indirectly. So it's uh, it's tricky. It's tricky for sure. What else we got here before we wrap things up? Brandon says, or Braden, excuse me, says, do you think the style of offense was a big factor in the lack of the uh, offensive performance this year? Play calling to be exact. I think that the thing that changed everything, Braden, was simply because USC struggled to be consistent up front with blocking. And it's not just a offensive line issue. There were some things, of course, when, you know, tight ends are missing blocks or running backs are missing blocks or Rattler may have been holding on to the ball just a little bit longer. And he's, you know, alluded to that before after games. But because of that, especially after what happened week one against North Carolina, you you allow nearly, you know, 10 sacks for crying out loud, nearly. You had to find ways to account for that. And what you did was you changed up your offense a little bit to allow you to find ways to move the football. Now, as we know, towards the end of the season, Kentucky, especially against Clemson, the offense wasn't really able to do much. But the thing about it was just looking at it as at a whole, as whole, as a whole, USC's offense had to do things to make up for some of their weaknesses. 
And I think that's why we saw certain things done. Um, for example, not being able to run the football. We talked about this even in the Clemson game or going into the Clemson game. If you're not able to run the football, you need to do something to slow down that pass rush of Clemson's. You think of some of the teams that USC played this year with some really good fronts, right? You look at, obviously, Clemson. You look at Texas A&M. You look at Tennessee. Even Kentucky as one of the more talented defensive tackles in the country. If you're not able to get the run game going, you need to do things to find ways to slow down that rush. And how do you do that? Well, it's an extension of the run game when you do screens, when you do swing passes, even slant sometimes, doing whatever you can to slow down that pass rush. So I think we saw South Carolina in a lot of ways, and I think I mentioned this earlier in the season on one of the GC Live shows, like a chameleon, they had to adapt, they had to adjust, they had to change more than anything week to week to adapt to some of the issues they were struggling with. And I think that's why we saw the offense look the way they did at times. Um, And I give a lot of credit. I know some people aren't going to, be thrilled with him this year, but I thought in talking with former players, talking with guys, we heard from Michael Skarnecchia, we heard from Perry Orth. A lot of the guys liked some of the things that Dow Loggins was doing this year simply because they understood what was going on from an offensive standpoint, why there were struggles, why there were issues, and why, more importantly, he was trying to do some of the things he was attempting to call simply because of the issues USC had with their offense and you're trying to again fix some of those on the fly and when you don't have the depth at certain positions and you don't have the talent at certain positions you don't have a choice you I mean this isn't a video game you can't just go in and you know adjust someone's skill set and say all right make them a better blocker all right hey bring someone off the street like it's the NFL free agency that's not how it works you have to deal with and work with the players that you have And that's what South Carolina tried to do this season. Now, was it perfect? Certainly not. Certainly not. We saw that, especially towards the end of the season. But I think that's played a big, big, big factor as to why we've seen things happen today. Lucas asking about KJ Jefferson. He hasn't entered the portal quite yet. So that's the first part. He has to enter the portal. Rakeem says, do you think the reason we're so good in November with Shane Beamer is because we basically have a new team every year and it just takes time for everything to click? I, I don't know if it's that, Rakeem, because you look at other schools. I mean, other schools are going through it too, right? Um, now, there's certain areas that we can point to, right? You look at the offensive line, for example. I keep talking about the North Carolina game. They looked... They, they were they were just a mess. Now, some of that had to do simply because of the injuries more than anything. So I think with South Carolina, when you talk about why they get better as the season goes on, I think one of the things that they do do a good job at, again, from just talking to people close to the program, that they do do a good job of managing players as far as workload, work management towards the end of the season. Now, That's not the case for every player. I'm sure some players would disagree with that comment that I made, but just talking from a big picture standpoint, talking from some of the players that I've had conversations with, former players as well, that's one thing they've brought up with me. Um, And I think we've heard that actually from Shane. I think we heard that from Dal Loggins towards the end of the season. We saw that with USC. They started to change their approach up just a little bit towards the end of the year. So I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it. 
I don't think there's any one thing that you can look at and point to and say, man, like that's the, that's the answer. That's the answer. Chuck, any GC live tomorrow? I'll find out from Wes and Chris. Cause if so, they would be the ones that are on that. And it looks like we have another one. And this is one of the players I was alluding to earlier. If you're still on uh wide receiver, Kylik Horton has entered and I think Jody just shared it. Yep. So these are players who, again, let me look at this. It's, it's four twenty one right now. We got this text message at three seventeen, three seventeen. Um, that Horton, I think we just saw with make sure that with uh, Felix, and then there's one more player. And this other player I was kind of, and I mentioned before, it's not a starter. It's not a starter, but he's a local guy, and I'll leave it at that until we have true confirmation to be able to push it out there. Woo, what a show, huh, folks? Over two and a half hours nearly. Well, two and a half hours almost. And um, probably one of our bigger shows we've had in quite some time simply because there's been a lot going on today. Um, I'll answer a couple more questions and we'll wrap things up. Chuck says, um, time for another bourbon and water. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of that this week. Let me tell you that, Chuck. Will says, things turning for Gamecock. Uh, oh, are things turning for the Gamecocks with Daniel Hill? So you mentioned the gentleman from 24-7 put a prediction, you said, for the Gamecocks. I know that Steve put something in, and this is another website. So I won't specifically talk about, you know, I I haven't seen anything that he put out today. But I will say is uh, I know that he put something out there for Alabama not too long ago. But as I've been saying since the beginning of the month, and some of you that do follow us over at Gamecock Central, John, appreciate that. Um, we'll throw Wes in there too and appreciate that, John, that that I've felt very good about where South Carolina stands with Daniel Hill. There's no secret that his father wants him to stay within the area. He's a Mississippi guy, Alabama specifically. He would like to see his son go there. And I've tried to do the best that I can with respecting a family without throwing all their business out there, but it gets to a point too, where it's tough to ignore the elephant in the room. So I've said that. I do still think South Carolina is in really good shape to land Hill. But when you're dealing with 17, 18-year-olds, even 19 and 20, 21, right? Talking about the portal as well, that what I've learned is you can't assume anything until their name is on that dotted line, you know? So we'll wait and see. But as I've mentioned before on Gamecock Central, going all the way back to the beginning of the month of November, that... And I still feel good about it today. If I had a crystal ball, if I had say in the RPM, which I don't, um, I would have that number. I would have the you know the percentage leaning towards South Carolina for Daniel Hill. But we'll wait and see. Again, when you're talking about 17, 18, 19 year old kids, uh, nothing is in stone. Nothing is in stone until they actually sign it. Got a question here? Any worries about the recruiting class heading into early signing day? No. Now, I will say this. If, 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 if there are some changes or a change 
to the coaching staff, you always wonder, will that have an impact? So as of right now, I don't anticipate anything changing with this year's recruiting class as far as the players that are already verbally committed. Certainly they'll be adding more in the coming weeks, in the coming months, as we head into February as well. Hopefully some of those players will sign, though, on December 20th for early signing day. But um, at, at least as far as right now, I would say no. But again, a lot of things remain fluid. A lot of things remain fluid. Braden says, are the rumors true about Lembo to JMU? I mentioned this earlier. I haven't heard anything specifically about a year ago. About a year ago, Lembo's name came up with the Townsend job. And immediately I reached out to one of my close sources and I was told that wasn't the case. And that got shut down quickly. Having said all that, I know there's a couple names that are floating around, not just Lumbo's name. Uh, my former college coach, uh, who's now the head coach at Holy Cross, Bob Chesney. Um, there's going to be names that are floated around there. I will be honest with you. I have not done digging on the situation quite yet, simply because I've been doing this show. And a lot of the messages that I've been receiving through sources, from sources, as well as my colleagues, Wes and Chris, a lot of it has to do with transfer portal stuff for South Carolina, as well as certain things that we're monitoring with possible changes to the coaching staff. But Lembo to JMU is not one of them. Uh, I will continue to do some digging because, you know, that's where we're, we're at with certain things. Lembo's name's bottom line is this. JMU, whatever the school is, it's when you're talking about one of these mid-level schools, their name, his name is going to get brought up a good bit. That's just the reality of it. He understands it. He understands it. Um, it's just part of the job. And as someone that has been coaching for over 30 years and nearly half of those years have been as a head coach and a lot of those years being at the, whether it be D3, D1 AA or, you know, group five level, Lumbo understands that his name is going to get brought up a good bit. Having said all that, and I've mentioned this before in the past, one of the positives, there's multiple positives that you get when you have a guy like Pete Lumbo on staff. But one of the positives about having Lumbo on staff, I think especially in the era that we are talking about now with the transfer portal, having a guy like Lumbo on staff is ginormous. It is huge, enormous, ginormous, whatever the heck you want to call it. It is massive. Simply because he has the experience of coaching at the level, the lower levels, and he can identify, okay, that guy can play at this level or not. Now, that's not to say that Beamer or some of these other guys on staff, Lonnie Teasley, he has experience of coaching at the Division II level, coached at New Haven as an offensive lineman. So I bring that up because, yeah, there's other guys on this staff that have experience, but Lembo's eye certainly should not be overlooked. Sure, certainly should not be overlooked. So there's multiple things from a special team standpoint to the point of the experience that he brings as a former head coach, which is so much experience. You know, you're looking at again, a decade and a half worth of experience as a head coach. You can't, you can't teach that. That's something that you either do or you don't. Anything else? Final call on questions before we wrap this thing up again, nearly two and a half hours on today's program. Appreciate everyone that tuned in today. A lot of stuff. I'm going through the comments. I apologize. I know there's probably hundreds. I'm going scrolling through this thing, going all the way back to when we started around two. So I apologize. I didn't get to everyone's questions today. 
But again, if you're just joining us, yeah, there's been a handful of players, handful of players that have either A, entered the portal, or they're intending to enter the portal that we have reported on at Gamecock Central. Myself, my colleagues, Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark, and um, we will continue to monitor it, especially heading into next week, because Hades RNG says, will uh, you be live Monday? I'll be live on on uh, Tuesday. I'm going to talk with my colleagues because what I might do, what I might do is we might move these shows up just a little bit earlier on Tuesday, simply because the two o'clock hour, especially today has done very, very well. And I expect there to be some more portal news over the weekend. And hopefully it's nothing major, but you know, again, as we've mentioned before, whether it's the starting quarterback or if it's the last guy in the depth chart, we are going to, we are going to treat it the exact same way. If they're a member of South Carolina, if they were a member this past season, we are going to treat it the exact same way for every player. That's how we're going to do it. Now, obviously, you don't have to be stupid. I'm not dumb. Well, maybe I am dumb, but point being is, yeah, there's obviously going to be more players, uh, certain players that we're going to pay more attention to, but we're going to talk about everyone. Meredith. Meredith says, I don't mind NIL. But the idea of commitment is out uh, out the window for these young men. Yeah, there's no parameters. So I, that's the challenging part, Meredith. And I think that's the part we're trying to figure out is what can you do? Because based on the letter of the law right now, it's the wild, wild west. There's too much gray area. And as I alluded to before, there's a lot of tampering going on. A lot of it, though, is taking advantage of that gray area. As I mentioned earlier today from talking to people who – you know, whether they're they're at South Carolina currently or, you know, people that are close to the program or at other programs. Because of that gray area, you're seeing a lot, a lot of people that are not associated with the school or collectives at other programs. Or they're reaching out to players at South Carolina or they're reaching out to family members of players at South Carolina. And this isn't just limited to USC. It's happening everywhere across the country. So I bring these things up because I bring these things up because now you're in a situation where how do you police it? And even if you have evidence, is it concrete evidence? And even if it is concrete evidence, does the NCAA care? And I think that's really, really frustrating if you're a fan, especially a fan that is trying to adjust with the times through NIL. Like you mentioned, Meredith, you know, you don't mind NIL. I don't mind NIL. I think a lot of people here don't mind NIL. The problem is it's not being used the way that it's supposed to be. And I think that was the part that a lot of people who pay attention to college football, that pay attention to the changes that were leading up to it and knew all the stuff that was happening in the back door, they knew all that was going to do is everything that's been happening in the back door for all those decades, now it's going to happen in the front door. And now you're able to, you know, kind of like money laundering, uh, laundering in the sense. And I'm not saying, you know, there's illegal stuff going on, but to some, they, they probably think it's illegal. My point being is it's really easy to kind of blend everything in. And it's difficult sometimes to see, you know, it makes it a little bit more, Dicey uh, for the NCAA to look into it. Again, I don't think they care. I don't think they care. All right. I think that will do it, folks. Really appreciate everyone that tuned in today. Again, nearly two and a half hours. Two and a half hours you had. 
So if you missed any of our show, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page where you can watch this show in its entirety. Or if you're a podcast listener, maybe you have a long, 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 long drive coming up. You get two and a half hours of this. But then again, there could be some more information coming out in the next couple hours, next couple of days. I'm not trying to scare anyone, not trying to dangle a carrot in front of anyone's face, but it's just the reality. But you can listen to us on the Gamecock Central podcast platform. But before we wrap things up, as we do all the time here, at Gamecock Central. Just a reminder that today's program is brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond. You see his name above, as it is for every Gamecock Central show. Clint Hammond has been a longtime supporter of not just GC Live, but Gamecock Central as a whole. And if you're going through the process of purchasing a home, you know that trying to find the lowest rate on the market, that's not necessarily easy. But if you want to find the best rate out there and trying to find that dream house of yours, just like our very own Wes Mitchell did, or Former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth and his wife, Shannon, did. They gave Clint a call. Give Clint a call over at the Movement Mortgage, 803-771-6933, and let them know that Gamecock Central sent you. Today's show is also brought to you by our good friends over at Liberty Tax. Yes, it is November, soon to be December, but it's never too early to start thinking ahead to tax season. Get everything in line. Give the folks over at Liberty Tax a call. They'll make that process easier for you so that when tax season rolls around, you'll be more comfortable, more confident, more organized to overcome tax anxiety this tax season. That number is 803-462-5576. Larry and the folks over at Liberty Tax, they do a phenomenal job, and I would highly, highly, highly recommend reaching out to them, especially since, again, it's not tax season quite yet, but you can get all your ducks in a line. Well, we appreciate everyone that tuned in today. Again, uh, much longer than we typically do, right? Hour-long show, turn this thing into a two-and-a-half-hour show. But as we've said many times before, when it comes to you guys, you're the ones that tune in. We appreciate everyone that watch, that watches, uh, but that watch today. And, uh, I mean, shoot, I got nothing better to do, you know? I got nothing better. This is my job. My job is to talk about Gamecock athletics, Gamecock football. So it was certainly a day that was chaotic. It will remain chaotic. And if you want to follow along, all the the madness, again, if you're not already a subscriber, I'm going to share the link one more time. If you're not a subscriber to Gamecock Central, I highly recommend. I highly recommend checking it out because I can tell you right now that, and it's not just Gamecock football, transfer portal. I mean, it's basketball, everything else you need in between. But especially this time of the year when it comes to the portal, Gamecock Central, myself, Wes, and Chris, we are working the phones like absolute hounds. So if anything happens between the time that we sign off right here or you want more information on some of the players that we discussed, you want to find out if there's anyone else we should keep an eye on, head on over to Gamecock Central and we will keep you posted again appreciate everyone that tuned in thank you for the nice words the comments uh we will do it again next tuesday debating on doing it at two o'clock might be at six the normal time that we would but we'll let you know how that goes uh everyone enjoy the rest of your day enjoy the rest of your weekend and be sure again to follow gamecock central for all your recruiting news as well as just information on gamecock gamecock athletics madness is here Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset 
or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. 